Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. 2,000 years ago, his words came to pass. AD 70, Jerusalem surrounded by armies. The temple destroyed. Sacrifices ceased. The end of the age. So where are we at on the prophetic timeline of history? Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And that we have been made kings and priests to reign here on earth. The Revelation Red Pill, the kingdom of God is now. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays. We're your hosts, Leah and Michelle. And have we got a show for you. I'm actually, I had no idea until this morning that that the show that you're about to see is going to be the show that you're about to see. And then when I found out it's going to be the show that you're about to see, I got super uber excited. Because this episode is going to blow your mind. The church has completely dropped the ball in so many areas. You guys have heard us talk ad nauseum about Margaret Sanger and Alfred Kinsey and eugenics and modern end times theory. All of these things that have allowed the church's grasp of bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth to just slowly slip away. But one of those areas that we have not really delved into, at least on Revelation Red Pill, is the industrialization of America and the men that literally stole everything. Okay. How are we here where the poorest of poor people in the United States live better than rich people around the world? Mm. Why, what is with the, the cheap products? How is it that, you know, petroleum based everything. Okay. Lip glosses, perfumes, lotions, candles, everything. They found something in the earth called oil. And they decided, let's just make everything out of it. Same thing they did with corn, actually. All food is corn derived. Did you know that not all products are supposed to be derived from petroleum? Petroleum, 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 petroleum. I mean, I, I could go on. Everything in my house is petroleum-based. Okay? It's evil. It's satanic. It, God never intended for it. And these rich men, we had a lot of things going for us. Okay? Ethanol. It's actually not that bad of a thing. Right? Alcohol-based automobiles. I'm not, I'm not for automobiles. I think God gave us horses. But you're going you're gonna to learn a lot tonight that's going to make you really, really angry. And then you are going to become equipped for how we take it back. Ford, Carnegie, Rockefeller, Vanderbilt. You know, when we say the names, we actually leave Vanderbilt out a lot. And and honestly, we should just start with him. Yeah, Vanderbilt was the uh, first tycoon of America. And he got wealthy off of the Civil War. So you, what you want to do right now is take a minute, whatever platform you're watching this on, and share it. Everywhere you can, preferably the Rumble link, because we're going to play some stuff from Ken Burns. Uh, no, no, no. It's not, the History Channel. Men excuse me. The, excuse me. The, he, the, the History Channel is the men who built America. I'm not sure whether Facebook is going to flag us for a copyright on that. Uh, they, yeah. they shouldn't. Legally, we have the right to play them. Um, but just in case. 
just know that. So if you're going to share anything, share Scott Gesterson. I didn't even send you the link. If you're going to share anything, share the Rumble link. Can we just take a moment and congratulate Scott Kesterson for his amazing past couple of days that he has had? He is in Tucson, Arizona, and he has gone through with his reverse vasectomy. If there is one episode I want to encourage you all to watch, it is last night's um, show. Scott, it, maybe you could grab it and put the link in the um, the chat here on Rumble. He goes into what yesterday was and he's come out Gandalf the gray or the white, excuse me, Gandalf the white, completely different man. Um, and it, it was a, a total miracle. You have to just go listen to the episode. It's yesterday. And then this morning, uh, the doctor's, um, report is, is very good. So, um, I'm, I'm hoping that Scott will talk about that on his next episode. So you have to be staying tuned to Bards FM to, to hear the saga, but we are working on, I say we, I haven't done nothing. I've done nothing yet except for encourage and cheerlead, but Paul Cantrell is there and he's filming and they've been getting some really good footage and the documentary is going to be awesome. So you guys can stay tuned uh, for more from that. But if you, if you want the play by play, Scott gave it on the show last night and it was really, really good. All yeah. right, Leah, the men who built America. Can we just no, not call it that? The I men didn't say it. Oh, I know, I'm I thinking of the history. It. I know, you didn't. That's not what I the, the, it. These, the, It's true, though. The men who made America what it is right now, the, the, the world that we're living, it's these guys. Yeah. The men that built the America that we're getting back to, the founding fathers, we talk about them on our show. They're actually, these guys are the men that have destroyed America, and mm. we're going to take it back. And it's going to start... One man at a time going and getting a reverse vasectomy. That's how we're going to do it. Yeah, going back to J.P. Morgan made his fortune during the Civil War by purchasing defective rifles from the Union for $3.55 and then reselling them defective to the Union for $22. When you look at the bankers, when you look at the oil, when you look at everything that's been built, all of it were, was built off of people, particularly men, men who saw profit and capitalism and and they took the idea of what america was designed to be which was the land of the free the home of the brave but if you do our constitution was only made for religious and moral people it's solely and wholly inadequate to the government of any other you see america was free come on america didn't need regulation you know all the regulations we have they started because somebody took advantage of, of a freedom and liberty mm. to hurt and harm someone else. Amen. You see, the, the essence of Christianity, the essence of America, is that you govern yourself. We are supposed, everybody wants to take our government back. Do you know why our government is so big and so bloated? It's not necessarily because bad guys got into government. It's because bad guys were not controlling themselves by a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so there needed to be somebody to step in to say, hey, you can't have a monopoly. Hey, you can't um, water down stock. What? And these guys, when, I, when we're going to talk about Vanderbilt and Carnegie and Rockefeller and all these guys, they played games mm. with your life, with my life, with other people's lives. They stole farms. Wow. They would like with with JP Morgan who's buying up rifles at 350 and selling them back for $22. The profit was was number 1. Mm. 
the person was last. Wow. And in their ambition to drive themselves to the top, they took a sledgehammer to everyone else around them. And as a result, you do see in America, oh, look, all of the steel buildings and all this big bank and all this economy, economy, economy. Where's God in any of that? Loving your neighbor, loving each other. That's good. So we're going to start uh, with a documentary that, uh, that's called... all your called, tabs up. Yeah, it's called uh, How Big Oil Conquered the World. And we're going to actually... We're going to spend a, a good amount of time on Rockefeller. And then we're going to go back in time a little bit to Vanderbilt and Carnegie. And then we're going to see how these guys joined together for an election. And that was the first time when big business really started to run the government in the late 1800s. And when we're done with this evening, I hope that you will look at the things that you have in your house differently. And I hope that we don't leave you with a sense of despair because as I'm listening, I, I've listened to these, the, this show like five times and I don't know how many of them I've brought to you. Uh, and, and, and there's so much history that it can't cover it all, but I'm covering some tonight. Uh, and I hope that at the end of this evening, you're able to say, okay, I know how to make a difference. I know how to, there's a video that I watched today. Uh, Michael Knowles interviewed a woman who uh, deals with sex abuse victims and satanic ritual abuse and how the elite use virgins and that blood sacrifice mm -hmm. and there there are literal witches who kidnap children and do seances and rituals for power and this woman said because michael knowles is so funny he works for ben shapiro he's like this mainstream conservative guy not a conspiracy theorist and he and you know what Oh, play it? Yeah, let's start with that video because I think it sets the tone to where why I'm doing this video now because we have to go to the root and we have to understand the ruling powers and principalities in place. Where am I going to find it? On Facebook, Michael Knowles. And when you understand the rulers and principalities are in place, we've got to go back to find out where did we let the devil in? And then we can take the root. It doesn't matter what we have now, cars, vehicles, um, I'm just using a rake made with plastic from petroleum. I don't care what we have now. I'm not trying to take all that on. I want to go to the root. What are you scrolling down to the comments? I'm just trying to find his videos. You're not. Uh, you, I'm on his Facebook page. I'm just. Or you shared it. You wanted me to find it from our page. Oh, it doesn't matter. You can go to him or just ours. I shared it on Resistance Chicks. Okay. Is this it? No. Just go to Resistance right, Chicks Facebook page. Are you screen sharing? I am not yet. I'm getting there. Okay, so I saw this video today, and I immediately shared it out everywhere I could because this is what we're at right now. We are combating rulers and principalities and powers in high places. And we're going to go back and we're going to fix it, but we have to know and where they come from. And you see there's a lot of sexual immorality. Sexual immorality comes together with the occultism. Sexual immorality moves with witchcraft. It hmm. also moves with poverty and death, addictions. So when you see in an area that's moving those type of things, there's some sort of witchcraft. I saw a story just, just popped up of 
a trial in Glasgow. 11 people put on trial for witchcraft. That was the headline, really sensationalist. In 2023, people are on trial for witchcraft. But then when they outlined the actual charges, it was satanic ritual abuse of children. It was sexual abuse of children and, and forcing children into seances and to use Ouija boards. And it was all, it was all jumbled up together. And uh, it did get me wondering, it, hate to bring this up, you know, in mixed company, but is the weird sex stuff is, is part of it. The sex rituals. Yeah. It is part of it. And let's come back again to the blow thing. You, you know why they use virgins in their rituals? Because when a virgin woman had sex for the first time, the hymen breaks, so there's blood. So there is a covenant there. So at the time, that's why they use the virgins for the rituals, because there is a connection, there is a covenant there, this pure, there's something there with, with that blood that gets the, the, the demons, and then it gets more power. That's why they also use children. They do in these rituals, they do, sorry for being so thinking, they, they rape children, they, they, they rape babies because they believe that there's pure and there's something there with the blood that is going to give more power and more access to the demons. For saying that, you will be called a conspiracy theorist, mm -hmm. QAnon, that's the new term that they use, whatever it means, and they'll say, you, be you believe that there's this ritual abuse going on of children and even babies. And I, I guess my answer to that is, well, it's like on the whole witchcraft issue, for all of human history, people have been explicitly practicing witchcraft, like all tribes all over the world. There are people today who call themselves witches. There are religious people who oppose witchcraft. There are, in this case, people on trial for witchcraft-related crimes that include all of those crazy wild conspiracy theories with the little kids and the horrible stuff. The only people who don't believe in this are a handful of, I guess, secularists or materialist type people. And then I guess there's another group that denies it, which is the people who are maybe engaging in it or covering it up and they, they're just lying. And so, but I just don't see how looking at the evidence of all of history and even the headlines and a trial right now going on in Scotland, the testimony of someone who's been very involved in witchcraft, how, how anyone could deny it. All, all of the evidence says this stuff happens and has pretty much always happened. Mm -hmm. The enemy wants to make this look like it doesn't exist, exist so we don't do anything about it. I had recently, recently, I was kind of like mentoring, helping someone that she was involved in satanic ritual abuse. She was a woman, she was a 65-year-old woman, and her testimony is crazy. And I was trying to help her to come out of that mentality, helping her with deliverance, with healing. And she told me some crazy stuff that they used to do to her. And people would hear her testimony and think like, she's crazy, she needs to go to a psychiatric Mental asylum. Exactly, she needs to be locked. But she was sharing specific things about what she went through and even as a really young girl, how she was raped, how she was involved in these rituals, what they have to make her do when they lock her in, in, in cages with animals to... No, that was in the story about what yeah, happened in Glasgow. They would lock typical, these kids yeah. in cages and cabinets. And, and, they, and they lock them there with animals because their main thing is fear. 
they want to kind of like control their mind. So then one day they can be part of the cult and continue. In fact, this woman, she was, she became a, like a high priest satanist and, um, and, but she believed in God since she was young because she had an encounter with Jesus. Sure. So she believes that the whole time the Lord was protecting her for, from those things. But she, but she told me some crazy stuff and I'm like, I didn't even know those things were real. Like, Wait, hold know. on. She, she believed in God, had an encounter with Jesus, and then became a high-ranking. They saint. were training her. Oh, got it. To be a high um, satanist, and you know, she she had she saw demons. She had encounters. She she went through rape. They even killed one of her babies in in when she got pregnant as a sacrifice. So the crazy, the, the story is crazy. Like so they I made know. her get an abortion or like yeah, after? Yeah, they she... took the baby out and they killed in front of her. So there, there's, these things are real. These things are real. And I'm like, but, but this is why the enemy doesn't kind of like want to make us think that this is not real. Yeah. So we don't stand and we speak about these matters. We speak about these things and what are we going to do against that? Because if the church doesn't know that this is real, the church is just going to be sitting. My question then, I think I probably know the answer, but what kind of groups are doing this? Meaning, is it just some weirdo, fringe, eccentric people on the, on the edges of society who are engaging in this and who get caught up in it and it's, it's horrible and tragic, but it's some pretty weird out there people? Or is it mainstream people and wealthy people and powerful people and I, I, you seem to be <laughs> implying it's the latter. So, conspiracy theories again. It's a safe, I guess safe space. People are going to think. Yeah, yeah but um, I believe there's so many people in power involved in Satanism. You cannot imagine. She even, uh, I mean, I don't want to know say her name because she she's quite private. But she told me when she was super involved in that that there were people of of, of high rank with a lot of money involved in these rituals. Yeah involved in these practices and um, she didn't give me names but she said like that she saw a lot of people with money in power in government um, involved in this type of practices so I believe that there's a lot of people there's normal people doing it and there's also people in power involved in this uh, I did hear from someone once this was someone I knew a little bit in school like freshman year. And then we kind of lost touch when our separate ways. I don't, he, I don't think he liked me very much. You know, mm -hmm. I was very con conservative. And, but he reached out to me years later after we had graduated. And uh, I, without going too much into detail in this, because I don't, I don't want to be gossiping or anything, it, he got involved. He just told me all this once, just right over the phone. I haven't talked to this guy in years. He got involved in all of this kind of stuff, like down to the very worst levels of it. And it, he, he said there, there were very, very wealthy, influential, powerful people involved. Like not, you know, not very wealthy like he, they have nice houses in the suburbs, like, like private jet kind of money, you know, in, in, involved in this. And I, I've heard it, so that was, a, I guess, a direct Question. witness or participant. I heard this from, and I've heard it from other people too. But it just, on the one hand, it seems like common sense because it's right there in the Bible. We, the principalities and the powers and spiritual wickedness of high places and the notion that the devil is the prince of this world, it's right there. And yet you just, 
even I still today cannot believe that that is real because mm. I just expect things to be kind of more normal. <laughs> maybe that is normal. It does. Or maybe the maybe the, the abnormal is normal in this world. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, it's exactly like that. We call normal what is not normal, yeah. <laughs> and then the things that are abnormal, those are actually the normal things. So there, there's been talk recently, uh, or more attention paid to some of this ritual abuse, and the abuse of children and trafficking and, and all of that. There's a movie Sound of Freedom, and there's been some attention paid to this, which uh, I loved when the Sound of Freedom movie came out. The liberal media said this is a QAnon conspiracy movie or something. I said, wait a second, it's based on the true story of Tim Ballard. Yeah. I, wow. I interviewed the guy who, these, these are real events. So if you're saying that these wow. real events uh, are conspiracy theories, then what are you saying about the so-called conspiracy theories? But there's attention paid to that. How does one stop that? How, do, how does one break up all of these wealthy elite cabals of Satanists? Oh, that's good. That's spiritual warfare of high rank. Not everyone should be involved in that. Hmm. Um, I believe that's why we have to prepare ourselves. I believe there has to be a spiritual preparation. And with that, I mean holiness, making sure that you are like living the holy life, that you fast, that you pray, that you intercede, you're connected with the Holy Spirit, that you are closing portals in your life, that you, if you have sins in your life, you stop them. If you have courses, you're breaking generational courses and iniquities, hmm. as the Bible says, that you have these this 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 training and that you are trained as a soldier i always see i always see everything for me everything that happens in the natural is a representation of how what is happening in the spiritual realm right right so part of what i see here with the armies right how they get trained how they get equipped they don't go to attack the enemy they first investigate who is the enemy who is the head what is the weakest point how we can enter the same way should be for us hmm. we just don't engage in warfare for the sake of i cast out this principle no we actually need to have understanding who is the person and the principality that we are facing who is the spirit of high rank and the same thing, fasting, prayer, clo clo close importance, breaking courses, and train also in war. Waking up early to pray like this. These people train, they wake up early, they train, they eat healthy. Same way for us. Mm. We don't realize, but even eating, yeah. certain things affect the spiritual realm. So if we are eating or we eat this fast food and pizza, all of that, I'm, I'm telling you, all of those things affect the spiritual realm, because you might go to sleep and in the spiritual realm, now you might have nightmares. Now you cannot perceive maybe the Holy Spirit is trying to give you a dream or something. So all of those things for me are like important that we actually understand and we actually trained yeah. as the people in the military here, here on earth so we can actually be part of God's army and part of the occupying army so we can understand, okay, how are we going to occupy nations? It's not actually going against the person, because Ephesians 6, 12 says our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the powers. So understanding that we love the person, but we come against the spirit that's coming right. behind. And this is what we have to be pre prepared for. This is what we have to be ready for if we want to see actually a change in our nation and establish the government of Jesus Christ in that nation. Wow. Wow. So that was that's so worth playing. That is what... The Revelation Red Pill is all about is finding out, you know, 
Where did the enemy get in? Hi, Mr. Knowles. My name is... Oh, we're playing in the background. Um, finding out where the enemy got in and kicking him out. Amen. And taking over those high places. So tonight, I want to take you guys down a path of where the enemy got in. I don't, I can't do a complete overview. I'd love to take a whole time and really go over the civil war and how it really, the war itself made people rich, Mm. particularly Vanderbilt and JP Morgan. Yeah. And you know, Vanderbilt university and you know, JP Morgan and you know, Rockefeller center and you know, the Carnegie endowment for arts. Those are all propaganda fronts to rewrite history and to put a good name and a good face on very evil people because the secularization of America had nothing to do with being secular because when you see secular, replace that word for satanic. And if you're not a Christian and you don't believe that, then you don't understand we're in a spiritual battle and this is a spiritual war and I can't really work with you on a lot of things. We can call out evil where it's at if you truly believe that there is such thing as evil. And I recognize we can play clips with um, uh, Joe Rogan and even a Bill Maher from time to time who can just call out the stupidity and the wrongness of things. But if you don't see how people are just driven by pure evil, I'm going to play clips for you that kind of blew my mind. The History Channel did a whole series and it was called The Men Who Built America. And they actually painted them in a semi-truthful light, which is why we're going to play these clips. But they also painted them in the way that it had to be this way. Or, I am sorry the way that they did it, but I'm glad for what they've done. And all the stuff. And what's very frustrating, and I really don't have words for is that the radical left is being brainwashed to think that these guys who truly ruined America were good guys. The Carnegie, the Rockefellers, um, the uh, um, the Fords, the, everything that everybody has today, they say to themselves, well, it had to be. Well, slavery is a really bad institution. Why is, why is slavery so evil? Because you're taking from somebody their right to life, liberty, and happiness. Well, what these guys did was... In the name of power and control, they could ruin an entire nation. They caused, once that stock market was created, they could literally wipe whole families out. And, 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 and when you hear the word monopoly, they, that's where the word, that's where we get the game monopoly. Did you know that it was made in the early 1900s? I think it was 1920s. And it was based on the Rockefellers, the Carnegie's, um, all of these big titans who decided that they wanted to eliminate the competition. And please don't turn me off when I say this. Just please keep watching. Because Donald Trump played that game. And I'm going to tell you guys something. Until he repents for playing this game that I'm going to show you, we're not going to make America great. Because when Donald Trump says make America great, he's talking about keeping the Carnegies, keeping the Rockefellers, keeping the Fords, and he learned from them. Now, I don't think that he became it as evil as they did but when you are not when you're thinking about a business deal and you're thinking about making a merger there are people on the other end of that merger that are going to lose their jobs yeah that are not going to be able to pay their rent or their mortgage and what i want you guys to do if you can because this is the revelation red pill 
is just walk back and think to yourself, is this the life that Jesus has for me to walk with WWJD? What would Jesus do? Because I think somehow we get to the place where we think that Christians are too weak. So we need a worldly person to take on the devil. Oh, that's good. Okay. Come on, Leah. And you know, Jesus said, Satan can't cast out Satan. So when you say the world's so evil, we need somebody like Donald Trump to take them down. You're saying, I'm not a David. You're saying, I don't have power and I don't have authority. You're sissifying yourself. You're emasculating yourself and you're not acting like a man. And you're certainly not acting like a Christian and you're certainly not acting like you belong to the king, to the, to the kingdom of God and you rule and raise the king of kings and Lord of lords. If Donald Trump is called to do anything, he's called to wake up Christians so that they take their place and they start to do what God's called them to do. Because Donald Trump is not going to take down these magnets. They're not going to take down these 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 evil cartels. Because you know what happened was, even during that time, there were a lot of men and women who called out the Rockefellers and the Carnegies, but they did so in their own strength. And by doing so in their own strength, they would lose time and time again. And then maybe you would call them out. Maybe you would say, hey, Vanderbilt was pretty evil. And I'm going to show you a story about how Vanderbilt... He was a railroad tycoon, millionaire, richest man in the, in the, in the country at that time. Well, some people didn't like, like him. So they played a trick on him and he tried to buy up his railroad competition. And what did they do? They did something you can't do right now. They literally had a printing press, printing stocks, new stocks, watering down the stocks. So as Vanderbilt's trying to buy out his competition, they're literally making new stocks. So he loses $7 million of, and I think that that's astronomical. And that was 7 million back then. And they're saying, but somebody had to put this guy in check, but you don't put evil in check with evil. Come on. You only put evil in check with righteousness. So let's go over some of this evil. And actually, I like this from Sherry. She says, philanthropy is just a code for a deceiver who makes money off of the backs of others and steals more through charitable contributions. All right. Well let's Sherry. go to um, here. The Business Titans, um, The Men Who Built America, Season 1, Episode 1. It's going to be your first one. It's going to be your second one. Your loved ones. And you want to go we'll to... We'll never know what. 22. His intent is simple. world and there's gonna be so many ads so we're just gonna talk nicely in between and give some comments. youtube is off the chain with ads lately one off the chain cornelius vanderbilt through brute force and intimidation has made himself the undisputed king of the railroads he now owns 40 percent of america's train lines but he wants them all. To me, it's always what's next, and I think that's what drives most very successful people. It's never about the money. I mean, that's a way of keeping score. It's about achievement, and it's about winning a game, and it's about upping the ante. He, this is the essence of where they're at. These guys, that guy is a commentator. I forget what his name is. He's on Morning Joe all the time. These business commentators are psychopaths. And in, in a psychopathic world, you think that people's lives are just game pieces. Chicago is America's fastest growing city. The line connecting it to New York is the most traveled and valuable in all the world. 
and it's not Vanderbilt's. To make his empire complete, he must gain control of the Erie Line. The Erie was one of the relatively early publicly traded corporations. Vanderbilt had the advantage of millions and millions of dollars. Deep pockets are always an advantage when you're trying to gain control of a corporation. New York Stock Exchange, 1860. Vanderbilt instructs his agents to buy up as much stock as possible. Demanding control of the company by the end of the week. It's a vintage Vanderbilt move, one he pioneered, known today as a hostile takeover. That's what most of his business guys got. But his attempt really will be thwarted well by an even more ingenious idea, cooked up by two unknowns, Jay Gould and Jim Fisk. All right, the mistake that the Erie Board have made is that they have telegraphed where they need to expand without securing the land first. Gould and Fisk are stuck in middle management at the Erie, but they represent the new America that Vanderbilt is helping to create, one of self-made men with ruthless ambition. Self-made men with ruthless ambition. And after ambition. years of watching the Commodore dominate, they're eager to build their own empire. They recognize Vanderbilt's plan to buy the line and see the opportunity they've been waiting for. Competition, I think it's good for the system. And it's really, I think, what most businesses is about. It's doing a better job on out-hustling your competitors. This, let me explain something. Could you show me in the Bible where the, 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 uh, the, the office of being a good businessman is to out-hustle your competition? Hustle is it's a it's a line for being a crook and a criminal. Jesus says he hates unjust weights and balances. Father God hates when we when we lie to each other, when we deceive one another, and you cannot overcome evil with evil and other deception. And if that's what made America, then I say burn it down. Fisk begin printing new shares of stock. Although it's funny, this story Using is a funny. printing press they set up in the basement of the Erie offices. Each share they print dilutes Vanderbilt's stake in the company, and they print over 100,000. There was some fine print in one of the clauses of the Erie's charter that allowed the board of directors to issue new stock, unbeknownst to shareholders. Go. And so the more shares that Vanderbilt bought, the more he had to buy in order to approach that magic majority. Their plan is known as watering down stock. Highly illegal today. At the time, it had never been imagined. Why hadn't it been imagined, Michelle? 
Because people were Christians. Oh, yes. And they didn't <laughs> want to, they didn't think to themselves to... a technical standpoint. No, no. This whole point of what I'm talking about is coming from a spiritual yes. landscape. It had not been imagined before because these, th these men were raised on Christian principles and you did not lie, you did not cheat, you did not steal. And your word was your bond. Its simplicity is brilliant. It wasn't brilliant. And it was Wall Street criminally insane. It was never the same. The only rule was there were no rules. Whatever it took to put your competition out of business, they were going to try to do it. Unaware, Vanderbilt continues to buy. Think of the look on his face. Oh, God, I wish I could be a fly on that wall. <laughs> The freshly printed shares are hand-delivered to Vanderbilt. Here are the Erie shares. I assume we control the company now. stock from Gould and Fisk. Today, worth over $1 billion. has been underestimated before. But if you come at the king, you shouldn't expect to win. Oh, of course we have. There's a lot of ads to these. So this is, this is the game that kind of represents everything about America. It's from, from the 1800s. The greatest growth explosion in America's short life is underway. Rail lines now connect huge expanses of the country. Controlling them means having power that just five years earlier was unimaginable. Incredible amount of power. Many railroads. are staking their claim. And there claim. are a lot of different railroad owners. I think there are people in every generation that have a vision that, um, transcends their moment in their time. Commodore Cornelius thing. Vanderbilt owns more miles of rail than anyone in the world. But like all men of power, 
he faces constant challenges. Competition gets very aggressive. People have no idea how aggressive it is. And sometimes you don't even hear because what goes on behind your back is not a pretty picture. At the height of his power, Vanderbilt is outsmarted by a pair of unknowns. It's the Vanderbilt's money. <laughs> Jay Gould and Jim Fisk have fleeced the Commodore out of millions. And they want the world to know it. Thank you. Don't mind if I do. He realizes that the railroads have been overbuilt. And the future of the industry isn't in building new lines, but in transporting new cargo. So Vanderbilt gets kind of a monopoly on the railroads, but he's not, he doesn't have a full monopoly. So there's another guy um, named Scott, and they are in a competition with one another. And so the idea is what they have to do is begin transporting things and get people to pay them to transport things. The railroads were were, were kind of previously like passenger railroads. Mm -hmm. And so they get changed over to transporting things. And so they go to a guy and there there's a the kerosene had lit up the world and allowed for people to stay up at night without whale blubber and things like that. And people were very hungry to light their homes at night. And this is where Rockefeller comes in. We're going to extend along the south shore to Cleveland. Why Cleveland? Cleveland is a small city of just under 50,000, but it's sitting on top of an ocean of oil. Eastern Ohio is the Middle East of its day and the area around Cleveland is one of the largest oil fields in the world. Vanderbilt learns about a refinery built near the railroads in Cleveland, the perfect mark for his master plan. He reaches out to the owner, a struggling young oil man Vanderbilt is hoping to pluck from obscurity. And he wants to be in transporting oil. But you see, Rockefeller he started off slow and and we're going to go back we'll go back a little bit on, a, on another piece here um talking about how rockefeller started and how evil he became but i want to play this particular episode talking about how rockefeller they it's a dog eat dog right okay so um vanderbilt is using uh rockefeller and then and then rockefeller turns around to mess over um vanderbilt Rockefeller may have gotten the rate he was looking for, but in return, he's agreed to provide Vanderbilt with over 60 train cars of oil every day. The only problem is, Rockefeller has no way to produce that much kerosene. His capacity is less than half of that. Rockefeller has overpromised, but he knows the deal with Vanderbilt will be the opportunity he's been waiting for. He just needs to find a way to produce more kerosene. It's a daunting task, but John D. Rockefeller has been beating the odds his entire life. 15 years earlier. You gonna play that part? Um, yeah, I guess. Rockefeller is raised in a poor Cleveland household. 
But even as a young man, he yearns for something more, something bigger. I'm gonna skip because actually his- If you want the performance of uh, stainless steel. And every time I move forward, I'm gonna have another ad. With his father gone, Rockefeller is forced to quit school and get a job to support his mother and siblings. His work ethic and intuition will become the building blocks for the American dream. Like now, great remember in this documentary, they actually have the Rockefeller family um, providing information mm -hmm. and being interviewed, so. Yeah. Father, John D. Rockefeller, was an absolutely brilliant businessman. When he started out, he wasn't even in oil or anything. You know, he worked at it very, very hard, and there's an ethic in the Rockefeller family of hard work. Stealing. Stuck in a dead-end job, he becomes fixated on finding a big idea and taking a chance. So he strikes oil. Full that was. In the first place, you drill wells and they turn up dry. And then you drill wells and they hit a gusher and half the oil would be lost. And that offended his sense. Failure is not an option. You have to be smart, you have to have vision, you have to have all of these different things. But the most successful people are the people that had the right idea but never, ever quit or gave up. The people that really succeed in life are those that don't quit. Rockefeller needs to quickly expand his company. And to do that, he needs investors. The problem is, kerosene is getting a bad name. Stories of the fuel exploding and burning down homes are on the front page of newspapers across the country, making potential investors skeptical. Due to high demand, many refiners are rushing to market with dangerous kerosene that's extremely volatile. Rockefeller sees the problem as an opportunity. He realizes that there's a need to calm the public's fears and provide them with a product they can rely on. Oil refining, warehouses, barrel making, and shipping facilities. Why the name? Because Standard Oil will be the only company in the industry to guarantee a uniform quality of kerosene. If Rockefeller's and all these guys, they were all great salesmen. And at the end of the day, it's the salesmen who make the money. Well, you can certainly understand how Rockefeller could have named his oil company Standard Oil. Pretty ambitious, organic name. He was creating a standard, and uh, it worked. Rockefeller's Standard Oil quiets fears and immediately becomes the most sought-after product in the country, bringing in investor after investor. He meets his promise to provide 60 train cars of oil a day. But that level of output is only enough to supply a small segment of the country. The Ohio oil man knows that with oil on every train, crisscrossing the country, he can supply every home in the nation. But to make that happen, he'll have to take on Commodore Cornelius Vanderbilt. America is expanding rapidly. Cornelius Vanderbilt's railroads have united the country, and commerce now moves faster than ever. But America's newest obsession is light. Clean, safe light. The kind provided by John B. Rockefeller. Oil is changing the world, and the Ohio refiner is leading the charge. The titans of that day revolutionized business in America. We became the sort of dominant economic force in the world because we could make stuff, we could create stuff, we could build stuff, we could power stuff. You could overpower people, you could crush people. Mm. John Rockefeller's Standard Oil is now the largest producer of refined kerosene in the country. And his exclusive deal with Vanderbilt allows him to ship his product to homes throughout the country at incredibly cheap rates. But for Rockefeller, it isn't enough. He's outgrown his deal with Vanderbilt. Once unable to fill Vanderbilt's trains, now he has more oil than the Commodore can possibly ship. And Vanderbilt's biggest competitor knows it. 
Scott is the president of one of the largest train lines in the country. He wants to take Vanderbilt's place as king of the railroads. And he knows a deal with Rockefeller is the key. So then, so then, he, so then he tries to make another deal with Rockefeller. And the guy's going behind their back. And I'm going to skip a little bit ahead here. Standard Oil will receive a 40% rebate for every barrel it ships. We'll send papers over in the morning. No. A verbal contract is fine. Rockefeller gets a better deal from Scott than he ever could have gotten from Vanderbilt. This mistake... Oh my gosh. ...is costing you. Sorry, guys. I knew this was going to be a tough episode getting through all this. Has anybody else noticed this about YouTube? Lee and I are, like, losing our minds. It's a concept that's been impossible to execute. Today, we know it as a monopoly. Sorry. He fought very hard to get that traffic. With the railroads in his pocket, Rockefeller can supply every home in the nation with standard oil kerosene. And with all that profit, Rockefeller begins to buy out his competitors. We need to stand together. I'm offering all of you a way out. So you can hold your heads high. The opportunity to sell to Standard Oil will be a godsend to you all. If you take Standard Oil stock, you and your loved ones will never know want. His intent is simple. He wants to own every refinery in the country. He doesn't even buy them out. He's like, here's stock. He doesn't even have to use his own money. It's a concept that's been impossible to execute. Today, we know it as a monopoly. But Rockefeller isn't just expanding his company. He's also looking to maximize profit by any means necessary. We've got another refinery. One more into the fold. Do you want me to take a look at it? No. I want you to shut it down. The business of creating monopolies, crushing opposition, part of me says he did that because it was there to be done and he could do it better than anybody else, and he made a bloody fortune out of it. By the time he's finished, Rockefeller controls 90% of the North American oil supply. His company, Standard Oil, is the country's first monopoly. At 33, the Ohio oil man is now the most powerful man in the country. to cross that line and I think an entrepreneur that's successful that's your nature wherever there's change wherever there's uncertainty there's opportunity so what he does is he tries to he eliminates the railroad and gets them out and he makes his own line Rockefeller's workers labor around the clock, blasting through the countryside and laying over a mile and a half of pipeline every day. Wow. Business, in the end, is understanding the playing field. Tell me who's on it, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and what is your checkmate play to top them and nail them. And so you're always in that competitive game. You're looking at innovation. You're looking at leapfrogging, trying to get ahead of them. You're never complacent. You're semi-paranoid about what they're doing. 
You're always looking to leapfrog people. Is this anywhere in the Bible? Always looking to leapfrog your competition to take. It is. It's always a little paranoid in the Bible. That's what a game is all about. You're literally solved. By the time the pipeline is complete, it's over 4,000 miles long, stretching across Ohio and Pennsylvania and connecting thousands of the world's most lucrative oil wells directly to Rockefeller's refineries. John Rockefeller has finally found his way to eliminate the railroads from the oil business. And in the process, he's forever revolutionized the way oil is transported. He didn't desire a better way to transport oil. He desired to destroy his competition. Do you understand the essence of that? Do you understand the satanic nature of all of it? So there's a satanic nature, which we didn't get to because I'm, I'm hitting Rockefeller right now today on, in this particular show of what Vanderbilt did with the railroads. And we could cover the railroads on another on another episode. OK. When this shift begins to happen in America, where you go from your own hard work, where you go from the sweat of your own brow yeah. to using men as slaves to create an empire to destroy your competition, you've crossed over to next level Satanism. Mm. And so all of the oil and everything that we are partaking in are, is because of next level Satanism. Okay, so Leah, what are you saying? I, I have to have a car. I have to. I don't care right now about what we're doing at this moment because we're not going to be able to fix what we are using and what we are utilizing, even in this computer world that I'm using right now to talk to you. Okay, we're not going to get it. The Lord told me to gut, take an axe to the root of the tree. And you take an axe to the root of the tree by going at where Satan entered the nation and you hammer it and you say, this was wrong. This was wrong. This was wrong. Okay. So if the only way we have cotton is because slaves are picking cotton, what are we supposed to do? Mm. I'm telling you guys something. We have to hammer it at the root. And I'm telling you, this is going to be an uncomfortable episode for a lot of us understanding that the things that we take advantage of every day have their roots deep seated in a satanic vision from these very evil and wicked men. For 25 years, the railroads have been the biggest industry in the country, the backbone of the American economy. No one has ever had the nerve to take them on until now. The backbone of American economy, that means money, 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 because America was doing just fine and the founding fathers were just fine before we had the railroads. When the, America's backbone was its reliance on Jesus Christ and hard work and family. When you begin to say that railroads are the backbone of your economy, of your nation, you've literally removed from them the essence of what God created mankind to live. And so, yes, you have to constantly have new innovation. You have to constantly have new satanic thoughts come to your brain, okay, to continue the cycle of evil, to feed the beast of this. It is just totally satanic. Pella knows that without his oil, the railroads will struggle to stay alive. It's a colossal blow to the industry. And with all that leverage, Rockefeller has Vanderbilt and the railroads right where he wants them. The United States of America is changing like never before. In just a decade, the country has become one of the most advanced on Earth. And darkness no longer means the end of the day. Two men have driven this remaking of the country. John D. Rockefeller and Cornelius Vanderbilt are locked in a battle of wills. When you have these woke revolutions, it requires... Yeah, this is a woke revolution. 
Vanderbilt and his competitors are in drastic search of passengers and cargo to fill the trains running on their lines. In the 1870s, the country needed to be connected via railroads. And what happens then is everybody who thinks they have an edge in the railroad business goes out and raises money and they start their own railroad. And what happened then, as we've seen happen many a time since then, is it created a huge bubble. John D. Rockefeller's oil makes up nearly 40% of the cargo shipped on the rails. But when Vanderbilt teams with his biggest rival to push for a rate increase, Rockefeller takes it as a declaration of war. He builds a pipeline in response and begins to pull his shipments. And since the railroads have been drastically overbuilt, losing cargo means losing money. Stocks plummet as investors run scared. When prices get out of control and smart people decide, wow, this thing is a bubble, I want out, then you can get a collapse very quickly. By the time the panic is through, one-third of the country's 360 railroad companies have gone bankrupt. So you've got a guy, one guy, who causes the, one of the biggest financial meltdowns in the country's history, the, the panic of 1873, because one guy doesn't like that Vanderbilt and Scott Ask for a rate increase. So this one guy in his manic psychopathic thought, he's not being led by the Holy Spirit, decides, you know what? I want to take these guys out. I don't care who loses their jobs. I don't care who loses their farms. I don't give a care about anyone but myself. Every crisis of this type, whether it's 2008 or 1873, it's got the same roots, namely that it was unanticipated. So a necessary condition for a crisis is nobody expects it. The crash is the worst America has seen in its short history. Unsure how to prevent a complete collapse, the stock exchange shuts down and stays closed for 10 straight days. The panic of 1873 triggered the first full-blown national depression. And nobody... One guy, Rockefeller and her whole... His whole ancestors should have been paid all that back to people. Do you understand how justice works? No, you don't get to destroy everybody, to take everybody's livelihood, to take everybody's life and wash it down a toilet. You don't get to do that because if you serve a God who's just, then there is a punishment to be had. And if somebody shouldn't have been in the stock market, then there's a punishment to be had there. And we need Christians to rise up and say no in Jesus' name and start casting out the devil. But because Christians didn't do that, then it continued and it continued and it continued on. Quite knew what to do about it. Did anybody think to pray? Ask God why these people are hungry and starving and homeless because one guy wants to get For the really, first really, time, really rich? Large, very large numbers of American workers were without jobs. Don't care about you. I'm going to go on my yacht. I'm going to go have all the things that I want. These people are psychopaths. Do you understand? If I, if I say a mean word to somebody in a store, I feel bad. Okay? And I don't do that, so I don't know what I'm coming up with. Anything that I would do that would have any sort of negative effect on somebody else's life, I'm trying to make people's lives better. And that, what I'm telling you is the intense propaganda that you have been brainwashed in your public school. This is why you cannot send your kids to public school. You guys have to get out of public school. They are brainwashing you like, Mommy, I'm going to go, oh, Rockefeller Center, Carnegie Center, oh, the Vanderbilt University. These people are so incredibly evil. You have no thinking 
they've starved. You know what? There's a special place in hell for people who starve children. And you know it. And they've got the woke left in their pockets because they took over education. So then the very people that they're harming come to them and praise them. Workers got laid off, but the owners, they still lived in the style that they were accustomed to. But these business guys, even the Donald Stinkin' Trump was like, that's just business. But no one was shedding any tears from John D. Rockefeller. People were saving their tears for themselves when they found themselves out of work, out of their homes, out of food, out of hope. Anybody who says that just business is going as a straight one-way ticket to hell. While many of the hell. biggest companies in the country struggle to survive, Rockefeller sees opportunity. Yes, of course they do, because that's what all these people, all these manic, crazy people do. Just like Vanderbilt and J.P. Morgan got rich off of World War, uh, off, the, off the Civil War. Okay, you all, everybody sees that, and when the market's down, you see an opportunity. An opportunity's knocking. The survival of the fittest kicking in. Survival of the fittest. That's where evolution comes in, and that's why they had to have evolution because they had to have a moral thing. They had to take away morality because it's just survival of the fittest. That's why they had to push evolution. That's why evolution is their false religion. And that's why they have to push it. Because if there's a creator, then you have to obey the creator and honor the creator. But if it's survival of the fittest, and you can be a ruthless businessman and take anybody out, including women and children and little babies in the womb, and you become a psychopathic eugenics monster. How are you guys doing today? As his competition collapses, Rockefeller picks them off. These are all, by the way, JP Morgan, Rockefeller, all these people, they became eugenics, eugenics, eugenics. Next to nothing. I find that I do better in bad markets. I buy things in bad markets. Of course markets. you do. And you can't do that in a great economy. You can't buy it. Either you're going to buy it very expensively or not be able to buy it at all. So there's a I lot do. of opportunity, yeah, I find, in the bad times. I get rich. By the time the depression is through, Rockefeller has created the largest corporate empire in America. Of course he did. He was playing the game of industry, and he was simply better at it than everybody else. He saw... He was just playing the game, and he was just better at it. No, this isn't Batman! This is not volleyball where you can just spike your peep, spike somebody, and they get, get... This isn't... They can just fall in the sand. It's a rubber ball! This is not a game! These are people's lives, you psychos! The industrial marketplace as a place for the survival of the fittest and he was fitter than anybody else therefore he survived he, not that, therefore he deserved to survive and they didn't while rockefeller expands his company his adversaries at the railroads are struggling to survive then at the height of the depression the king of the american railroads cornelius vanderbilt dies at the age of 82. yes he does vanderbilt leaves his empire worth over $100 million to his son. Rockefeller, two-thirds of the oil you carry comes from me. If you don't retreat, I'll take it to the other railroads. As far as I'm aware, there isn't another railroad that runs from Pittsburgh to New York. after the Civil War is driven by railroads uniting the country and oil lighting the way. No one has capitalized on the growth more than John D. Rockefeller, who now controls 90% of the U.S. oil market.
With the death of Cornelius Vanderbilt, only one man stands in the way of Rockefeller's complete control of oil. Tom Scott. There was a sort of mutual admiration among the big capitalists, but it was an admiration that was accompanied by deep suspicion. The big capitalists of the day eyed each other very warily. Rockefeller looked on Tom Scott of the Penn Railroad as a competitor. Tom Scott's trains transport oil to and from Rockefeller's refineries in Pittsburgh, where the Standard Oil pipeline doesn't reach. With all that leverage, Scott is confident he has the ammunition to take on Rockefeller. But Rockefeller isn't one to back down from a fight. I don't want one drop of our oil traveling on the Pennsylvania. But what about the Pittsburgh refineries? Shut them down. Shutting down his refineries will cost Standard Oil a fortune in lost revenue. But for Rockefeller, crushing his competition matters more than anything else. Without Rockefeller's oil, Scott loses nearly half of his business forcing him to lay off tens of thousands of workers and drastically cut wages. Those workers take to the streets in protest. And as darkness falls on Pittsburgh, they turn violent. A fire is set in Tom Scott's train yards. Before the night is over, more than 39 buildings and over 1,200 train cars are destroyed. Tom Scott's company lays in ruin. This is how capitalism works. The railroads had been the big suppliers of transportation to the oil industry, and so the railroads quite naturally resisted. They dug in their heels whatever they could. Eventually, they lost. John D. Rockefeller has replaced Cornelius Vanderbilt as the richest man in America. His net worth is now over $150 million, or $225 billion today. It's dazzlingly amazing that one individual was able to corner about 98% of all the kerosene and eventually oil production in the world. He was a brilliant business person. Yeah. I can only give him credit for that. I don't have to give him credit for the way that he became that powerful. Do you have something to say on that? I can give credit for how powerful he get in his, his gamemanship, but, you know, I don't have to give him credit for how he did. It's a watering down. You it's just kind of like, slavery's just kind of bad, not really, uh, but, like, man, it really did some good stuff. Like, really, I really, I mean, I, I, if something was built on the back of slaves, I mean, but, jeez, man, it really turned out pretty good. And that's where, honestly, that line right there is the answer for everything that we're talking about tonight. As we're good, moving man. forward, when we look at the way that we live life, and we talk about it all the time, going back to horses and buggies, and you know, maybe your home has an outhouse because you don't have PVC plumbing, or you know, all of these things. 
Mm -hmm. everybody gets raging demonically angry or they have mm -hmm. in the past. You guys have been so amazing recently. It's what I'm so I'm blown away by. Mm -hmm. They get so ups no, not that one. Not Revolution main? Red Pill Main. Okay. Um they get so upset when we make these suggestions. Do you know why we make why we talk about getting back to the the life that that we should live? is because I don't know what the future of mankind is supposed to look like as the kingdom of God invades earth, but I know it's not this. And so you have to go back to where did we go wrong? How did we get off track and say, you know what? We never should have had this thing. And you bring Jesus to that moment. That's what we're designed to do. Hey, Jesus, did you want railroads? How did that look? Jesus, were you, was, was, and a lot of people will say. Because if Jesus had wanted them, it would have been developed in a right and proper manner, yeah. but it was not. Yeah. So you have to go back and give it all back. And, and what does that look like? How do you do that? We get this question all the time. Oh, well, I don't know what to do. I just, I, it's here and I just got to. It's a heart move, man. It's, it's, I'm not asking you to do anything. I don't want anything that was got wrongfully, God. You just say to God, God, fix it, mm -hmm. write it, make it right. I'm more than happy to go outside at 35 below zero and use the, ba the bathroom in an outhouse if it means writing the way that things should you be. You can always pee in a bucket. That's what they used to do, actually. It's chamber pots. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm more than happy to wake up every day and saddle my horse to go into town. If that means that we're not going to lie and cheat and steal to get there. Exactly. So, so it's a heart. It's a, it's a heart yeah. change and then your heart starts turning towards the things that god loves the most so for instance oil comes from the ground it comes up out of the ground but if people are dying to get it up out of the ground right then whatever you know there's actually oil that just kind of sits there on the ground mm -hmm. okay use it refine it do whatever but when you start to create these giant corporations and you start to corner the market and you start to, um, if things were developed naturally without, and people prayed over it and they said, hey God, um, this oil here, how can this be used for you? Are you guys aware at the amount of death that happens in the, in the oil industry? The amount of death that happens on like an oil. In Texas, the Texas oil field. It, it's. It's not not just death, but they injury. Have, it's like a satanic sacrifice. Now, Michelle, you're getting too conspiracy there. Well, I'm sorry. The devil comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. We just learned about a man that literally his whole MO was theft mm -hmm. and, and destruction. And the fruit of that is in order to get this oil, people have to die. Mm -hmm. Then to add to that, what is, I don't know if I'm right on this, but I can say at least one of the number one killers in the entire world right now are cars. Mm -hmm. Okay? People die in car crashes all day long, and yet we have the gall to say that God is behind cars. God's not killing people. God did not ask us to invent roads Innocent people. or to invent cars. And, oh, Michelle, people die all the time doing things. And, and you know, you talk about man jobs and that. Stop. Because what we're looking at, everything, and I know, oh, Michelle, there's, you're talking too much devil, too much satanic, so much. Oh, again, stop it. When I look at death, I have to look at the root of where that is. Sin and sickness. It is the devil. 
So anytime you see an inordinate amount of death coming from a thing, I can tell you that that thing is of the devil. So we go to the root and we go to the, and we, and we go to the heart and we ask Holy Spirit to bring kingdom. Yes. And what does this kingdom look like? Does it look like seal? And that's kind of like the next, the no, next thing that the doesn't. next thing, the next, the next kind of page that we're going to turn here is that Rockefeller, um, right around the time of Rockefeller is another guy who gets into another industry and it's called the steel industry and it is new. They used to be ironworks. Okay. So another guy named Carnegie, he bets his bottom dollar basically on creating a steel bridge over the Mississippi and he actually does it and he becomes, he corners the market on steel. And again, what happens is what you don't see is, um, and you do. JP Morgan's dad was a little bit quote unquote more Christian, but they owned slaves. They were like those Southern kind of Christians. Um, and so he kind of had a tiny bit of morality, but not real, like honesty, like I'll honestly destroy you. I'll be honest about it. I'm going to destroy you. It's just business, right? I'll honestly, but they weren't really honest. There's nothing about being honest. And I think one day we'll do a whole episode on, on Morgan and his dad. Uh, but we, I'm going to hit right now. We're going to go to, to Carnegie and, um, talk about how, um, he created, um, this, this steel, kind of the steel market here. And we're going to go to, I think it's episode. This is a hefty renewal. Three, it's episode one or season one, episode three, if you could play that. All right. So we're going to go to minute 29, please with Carnegie here. Carnegie believes that to avenge his mentor's death, he must surpass John Rockefeller as the most powerful man in America. Who thinks that? I have to avenge somebody's death, so I have to become the most powerful man in America. Like, who thinks that? Who thinks that? I do not think that. And to do that, he must find help from someone even more cutthroat than his rival. So he has to go and, and he, he has to try the to take out Rockefeller for the job. So he gets this guy named Fink. He's a millionaire. Henry Frick, Frick is a self-made millionaire by 30. He's one of the Midwest's largest coal suppliers. A ruthless businessman, Frick has a reputation for getting what he wants mm -hmm. by any means necessary. This belongs to me now. Cutter, I know you're in there. Uh. Hiring Henry Frick will give Carnegie the merciless edge he lacks. So he makes a deal with the devil. You know, there's nothing about coal or oil or kerosene or any of those things that is of God. It's all disgusting. It's all gross. So, no one likes it. Yeah. It stinks. So Frick and Carnegie have a, um, uh, a, a kind of a retreat that they go to. And the retreat has a dam. South Fork Fishing and Hunting Club. It's called the South Fork Cheers. Cheers. Fishing and Hunting Club. A lakefront, members-only playground. 
but construction has weakened the dam surrounding the lake at South Fork, posing an imminent threat to the lives of tens of thousands of people in the valley below. Johnstown, Pennsylvania, Memorial Day breaks in Johnstown as ominous clouds roll in. Um, before um, Carnegie or uh, Frick had asked to even widen the road on the dam so he could get his um, horse and buggy horse and buggy across. And they were asked to use the steel to shore up the dam, and they said no. South Fork, lake levels are rising at an inch every 10 minutes. They had lowered the dam. reads, South Fork Dam liable to break. Notify the people to prepare for the worst. The Johnstown Telegraph Office has seen the same warning many times before. They ignore it. This just goes to show the ruthlessness of these men, by the way. That's why I'm playing this. And the satanic. Yeah. Again, and it goes to, you know, the Tower of Babel, the Titanic, the Noah and the Flood. Whenever you try to play God, you cannot control nature. You cannot control these things. And that's whether it's cars or airplanes or dams. God's nature is a very powerful force that is not respected by these men that have, that have tried to play God. And I'm telling you, God will Get not be hurt. So I want you guys to insert while you're watching this the fiat dollar. Every day that you're using your paper dollars, you're living in Johnstown. Oh, and they are lowering that dam, and they are oh, lowering oh, that oh, dam. Oh, oh. That's... And the rain and the storm is coming. Mm. And our town is about to be flooded. This story that's getting a very cursory glance in this episode is has been written about at length. Um, yeah. Didn't Catherine read a book on it? Mm -hmm. The amount of people that died. Um, it was a war's man-made disaster. 
When the water stops, more than 2,000 people lie dead. Because of greed. One in three and are so mutilated are, they can't even be identified. We're still living on that greed. All the steel, all that stuff would not have 1600 happened. 1,600 homes are destroyed. And over four square miles of the town are completely leveled. The Johnstown flood is the worst man-made disaster in the United States And these prior guys to don't feel bad. Bodies will be found for years to come. Some as for far away as Cincinnati. 350 Some miles from Johnstown. Here in Cincinnati, 350 miles away. Volunteers come from across the country to assist in the recovery. The flood is the first major peacetime relief effort of the recently formed American Red Cross. As outrage over the flood grows, the public looks for someone to blame. Most of that blame falls on the members of the South Fork Fishing and Hunting Club. But the members deny responsibility. Lawsuits are filed, but they're ultimately unsuccessful. In the eyes of an angry public, the South Fork members, including Henry Frick, have gotten away with murder. The incident forever changes Andrew Carnegie, who feels Not, a sense of responsibility no, for the disaster. He doesn't, actually. Unlike he many of his fellow club members, fix his... he soon drops out of South Fork and begins a campaign to rebuild his damaged image. Here's the thing. When your brand... He has to... And, and this, is, this is what switches. Your brand is damaged. You have to fix your image because 2,000 people are dead. Right. Becomes so big that you become the name, you become the face behind the brand. It's difficult. There's also a great deal of responsibility and risk, and you have to be very, very careful. Carnegie donates millions to help rebuild Johnstown. Carnegie gave money to thousands of libraries, millions and millions of dollars. So we know what he was doing with the libraries, okay? Trying to take over education to rewrite history. Remember the Carnegie and Rockefeller Foundations? We did this two weeks ago. These endowments, we have to control the populace of the people. Carnegie wanted to be remembered for the good he had done. No, he Carnegie had to begins fix building his public image. monuments across the country. And soon, a grand music venue in Manhattan becomes his passion. Oh, this is great. This is this is what buttons my buttons, okay? Let me tell you something. You are trying to get in with the richy richy snobby snobby people. You kill two thousand people. You don't get to keep a dime in your life, crazy man. You and your frick guy, okay? You lose everything because there's no amount of money. They're trying to. They want. Uh, 500, they want 1 point some odd billion dollars. We're not done with the clip. From Alex Jones because he did some videos on Sandy Hook. These guys stole lives. Okay. And then what does he do? I am going to do bread and circuses for the wealthy people who really matter because you're poor, your voice doesn't matter, but I need the wealthy people to think that I'm good. So I'm going to do they plaster their name on libraries and this, and then they've got Carnegie Hall where they look at, come on. Mm. Mm. Two years later, opening night at Carnegie Hall. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got envisions of the Johnstown. We're gonna go to Carnegie Hall and, and rub, that's how I'm gonna cover up my, my pain.
my pain, Michelle, so I can hang out with rich people and create a beautiful, a beautiful concert hall where those poor people will never go. Did he create the concert hall in Johnstown, Pennsylvania? No, in New York stinking city with his wife wearing, I'm sure, the furs. And now we're smiling, we're having a good time. Carnegie Hall is New York's new home for the performing arts and for high society to rub elbows. So On opening night, Russian composer Peter Tchaikovsky, Tchaikovsky is the featured performer. I feel so enlightened. Andrew Carnegie is treated like royalty, honored for the masterpiece he's built. But even in this setting, one man is a bigger presence. John D. Rockefeller is worth three times as much as Carnegie. I have more money than you. I am so much score on to-go orders. Look at me. Hit the, okay. So, oh, two ads. Two ads. We're at a two-adder. But the cathedral Carnegie's built bearing his name takes their rivalry to another level. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. Oh, thank you, Alicia. The men will spend the next 10 years battling each other. Not Sparring fixing all the with lives Christmas gifts. Ruined. Rockefeller sends Carnegie a cheap paper vest, a jab at his simple beginnings as a poor immigrant. In return, Carnegie sends Rockefeller, a devout Baptist who doesn't drink, a bottle of fine whiskey. Sure, he's so devoutly Baptist. You know what? You know, I've had my own little rivalries. I've had a rivalry with Donald Trump where, I think it was back 2004, he was giving me a hard time about something. I said, you know what? I could write a bigger check than you and not even know what's missing because I knew if I tweaked him, he would just respond. And he did, and, and I still like to tweak him just because it's fun. I always say you have to have someone to hate, to aim for. Having an enemy, having an arch enemy, having a competitor is what ups the game for everybody. Thoughts on that line? You have to have an arch enemy. You have to have a competitor. We are so evil. What game are we playing? With people's lives. While Rockefeller's oil empire steadily grows, steel becomes the product of choice for construction. And Carnegie's business takes off. Mr. Connor. Yes, sir. How's the output? She's running at full capacity, sir. Good. Carry on. Carnegie's steel helps trigger the upward expansion of America's cities. If for no other reason this man demonic, because them buildings are ugly. <laughs> ugly. We have the ugliest cities in the world. You go to Budapest, or you go to Vienna, or you go to uh, Copenhagen, okay? You go to these places with these buildings that were mwah, built with love and care and craftsmanship, and you take steel and you go boom, and you shoot them up in a couple days, and they're ugly, and they're cold, and they're dark, and they're full of Satan. But if he wants to challenge Rockefeller for the title of America's most powerful businessman, Carnegie must become even more profitable. Oh, I gotta do it. But he'll pay because the Holy Spirit told me I gotta challenge Rockefeller. I gotta just do it. Pay a price for his ambition that will threaten to destroy everything he's worked so hard to build. James says these jerks just see it all as a game. So now we're gonna go to 
The building of modern America Sherry is moving at lightning Jamestown speed. Only to repeat in the 1970s Carnegie invests millions, retooling the plant when that same dam to turn out more again. structural steel than any other mill of its size. The Homestead Steelworks is a true modern marvel. But it can't operate without manpower. One of the huge costs in a steel mill was labor. Carnegie knew that to stay profitable, he had to keep costs low. And the only way to keep costs low was to reduce wages and increase working hours. You are a millionaire and a billionaire, and you are building all kinds of stuff and buildings, but you can't feed your people enough to make a tuna fish sandwich for lunch. You gotta steal from these babies' mouths of your workers, and I'm telling you, James chapter five, because you have <laughs> stolen the work, the 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 the, uh, the wages from your laborer. And God says there is a special place in hell for you when you live in luxury and you are taking, uh, you're skimming off the top of your workers. You're gonna work harder. You're gonna work for less money, and I'm gonna use you like a slave. And people who think that slavery is done, and people want reparation from slavery. But these guys, Carnegie was a slave owner, and so every one of you rich people going to the Carnegie Music Hall, you are taking part in American slavery and American evil, and I'm telling you, until you repent, I'm telling you, you are not going to see Jesus when you die. And you might for a minute, but you are gonna stay there. To keep profits growing, Carnegie needs to continue cutting costs, including wages. But he's also determined to repair his image. Of course he is. Something he can't do but in the midst of a labor dispute. You can't do it at the same time unless you lie like a dog. So he turns to his chairman like to do the dirty Biden. work. Like Biden and his... Henry Frick has never been concerned with what people so think of So you understand, like right now, because Biden's little press secretary came out and said, the economy's doing great. The economy's doing so good right now. A 12-pack of Coke is $9.99. Oh, my gosh. He's about one thing, winning. Carnegie didn't enjoy being a bad guy. I don't guy, believe you. Villain. Frick didn't seem to mind. I don't I believe you. I think the great leaders find it. partners who basically can... You don't get to say, I don't enjoy being the bad guy, so I'm going to bring in a guy who really truly is a bad guy to do the bad guy business because I don't like to do that. You are... you. I don't care if you... I really want to hire someone, but I don't like to kill them, so I'm going to hire a hitman. I'm so not evil. Exploit <laughs> their weaknesses, but not kind of dance on their strengths. Instead of hiring weaker versions of themselves, they hire people that are tremendous experts at what they're not. How can you say things like this with a straight face? How in the world can you say? This is what, Michelle, if I'm yeah. bad at mathematics, yeah. and you're good at mathematics, that's when you would properly use that sentence. But if I say I'm bad at harming people, so I harm or I, I hire somebody who's good at harming people, you can't say that sentence with a straight face. Because what you do is you pull the mask back and there's that little demon face with the fangs and the pitchfork. And Michelle says they don't have pointy ears, but I think they do. They didn't and pointy say they ears. don't have pointy ears. <sighs> Shows me the ledger's at the end, and I was not the number I was expecting. And the only question that remains is how much we'll make next year. <laughs> <laughs>
to give him room to operate. To give him room to operate because he didn't want to see the evil that Mr. Frick was going to do on these laborers who were getting ready to strike. How is the seven steps? I'm just gonna leave and I'm just not you just do your thing, Frick. Take care of the people. Carnegie was evil! The industrialists of that period of time are people who are out for themselves to make large fortunes as quickly as possible, even if it means pressing the envelope of what they have to do. That is exactly what people are doing. Sam Bankman Freed is the same kind of freakazoid as these guys. He was a puppet anyway, but yeah. Okay, and he's a puppet anyway. All these guys of major corporations and businesses are, are psychopathic freakazoids. Frick begins squeezing all that he can get out of the workers at Homestead. Frick decided that the only way to keep the plant running efficiently was with a 12-hour day, six days a week. Frick did Carnegie. What that meant guy. was intolerable working conditions. No one could work 12 hours a day. If you're working in an office, you fall asleep at your desk. If you fall asleep in a steel mill, you end up dead. Ask a nurse, they all work But yeah, you do end up dead in the steel mill. You know, back when Carnegie was building his empire, obviously there, there were no labor laws. It was, it was a free-for-all. And why were there no labor laws, Michelle? Well, because we didn't have, this was the first of its kind. Because you didn't need to, because uh, if you were raised as a Christian, then you would never harm another human being. Right. The labor laws are retarded. What they are are saying that you can still have a business if you're a jerk, if you're a, if you are a, a, a maniac. And I say, if it enters into your brain to hurt somebody who's an employee, then you belong to live, you belong to be locked up in chains in a prison, not just, oh, well, we're just gonna take laws, uh, we're gonna create laws so that you operate your business right. No, we take your business away from you. That's what they should have done. Amen. That's what they should have done. And looking back, it seems horrific in a lot of different ways that workers were taken advantage of, but that was the game that was played back then. But that was not a game! He said, looking back, it's, it's kind of horrific, but that was the game that was played back then. That's a guy who owns all the basketball, whatever. Teams. He owns a team, the Mavericks. Whatever. It's not a game. You people are psychos, and if you can say it with a straight face, then Mark Cuban... Then you are one of them. You're a psycho! The conditions are dangerous. How many furnaces? And a small group of men bands together to raise their concerns. Please, sir, Many can of the I workers have at some the more? Felt that uh, change in working conditions was a necessity. They were exhausted and they wanted wages that were livable. Mm. Unions are relatively new in America, and Frick isn't about to let them take root on his watch. But before acting, he seeks his boss's counsel. Dear Andrew, it may become necessary to fight it out this summer. Once got into, it will be fought to the finish. Andrew Carnegie is well aware of Frick's aggressiveness. It's why Jesus. he's put 3,000 miles between These them. These are the folks who created the cold corporate mentality that is so pervasive today. Thank but you, Carnegie, would rather leave some things unsaid. Mr. Frick, no doubt he will get Homestead right. You can get anything right with your mild persistence. There's a fine line, how do we protect the worker, yet at the same time continue to grease the wheels for capitalism? That is not a fine line. You know what? You are an evil, evil man. 
There is no fine line. You do not need to grease the wheels of capitalism. You just need to work hard and be blessed by God. But you know what, Michelle? This is what becomes of a nation when you are not blessed by God. Then you need slavery. That's it. Then you need to grease the wheels because you have to make something happen because God has lifted his hand and says, I'm not blessing you. Right. And so then demons take over, and then you have all this satanic ritual abuse. You have all these people conjuring up demons. Yeah. That's where the Alfred Kinsey comes in. And the Christians are on the side saying, God, why do you let this happen? And God says, no, you right, are letting good. this happen. Amen. Sometimes those two are cross purposes. Cross purposes. Frick takes Carnegie's words as a clear indication that it's time to go to war. So they do. And raise you up. In the name of the Father and the Son. Death is what they're, you know, these are very, very dangerous jobs. They mm -hmm. kill people. Well, they're praying before they strike. Okay. Oh, somebody gets beat up. Accidents on the plant floor keep oh, multiplying. Okay. Until one proves fatal. Oh, the death has the potential to unite the overwhelmed workforce. Frick knows what's coming. Yep, he knows what's coming. He's Remember your training. He Follow hires orders. the Pinkertons. If they start shooting, we'll hit them back hard. There is no place for cowardice. The Pinkertons were mercenaries. They were from out of town. They had no ties to Pittsburgh, no ties to these workers. They were paid a wage to wield their clubs. The moment Frick made the decision to bring in Pinkertons, the die was cast, and the only way this strike was going to end was in tragedy. Fire! Patriot Valor says it's all demonic. The building of modern America is in full force. Cities teem with new construction projects built of steel. That steel travels around the country on railroads that unite us as never before. The growth is driven by a rivalry between the country's wealthiest men, Andrew Carnegie and John D. Rockefeller. The great men of those times created incredible capabilities that were truly important for the establishment of a great, strong country. But while the Ohio oil man is quietly amassing his fortune, the Pennsylvania Steel King is dealing with a rebellion. Homestead, Pennsylvania, 1892. 2,000 men barricade themselves inside the Homestead plant. causing steel production to grind to a halt. Carnegie Steel's chairman, Henry Frick, is in no mood to negotiate. Under pressure to quell the revolt, Frick brings in the Pinkertons, a mercenary army capable of outgunning the US military. And their presence threatens to be the spark that lights the powder keg. Frick thought to himself, when the workers see the Pinkertons, when they see that I'm not gonna back down, they will back down. He thought a show of strength, a show of resolve, was all that was needed, and that would be the end. He badly miscalculated. Go ahead, keep going. Hold your ground. Stay calm. Stay calm. We're here to take possession of this property. No! I suggest you turn around and go home. You're not getting in. If you do not stand aside, we will mow every one of you down. Uh, of innocent men will be on your hands. 
down this barricade. Restore order. Homestead is back in the hands of management. But Andrew Carnegie's problems are far from over. The public is outraged over the violence, blaming Chairman Henry Frick directly. Many are demanding justice for the dead. Carnegie probably was appalled at what happened at Homestead. He prided himself on portraying his company as an enlightened, progressive company, which in many ways it was. What Homestead did was to catch a stain on that and on his reputation that he had a very hard time living down. Carnegie extends his stay in Scotland, hoping the distance will allow the controversy to blow over. But American reporters track him down. Excuse me, just that's a word. Uh, no, gentlemen. Uh, Mr. Carnegie, are we Another no. time, gentlemen. Just I'm word. not Just in the word. habit of giving interviews in the middle of public parks. Uh, Mr. Get out of my damned way! While Carnegie's hounded by press abroad, at home, the public's outrage is escalating. A new group is emerging, calling themselves the Anarchists. Known for their violent tactics, they are beginning to strike out whenever and wherever they see injustice. Antifa. Now they've turned their attention to the massacre at Homestead, demanding payback. Their target is the chairman of Carnegie Steel. So then they 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 uh, they beat him up. They think they leave him for dead. So this is the beginning of Antifa. So once you guys understand the progressive movement and the Antifa movement were actually based in a kind of a secular, godless vacuum trying to get justice for bad things that happened. Mm -hmm. And so when you're talking to somebody who's Antifa or somebody who's uh, like currently right trying to be a social justice warrior, they are trying to get justice. But what they've done is they recognize Ford and Carnegie and Rockefeller understood something, that if you are the bad guy, you have you're going to have people that rise up to try to take you down. This guy gets almost left for dead. So what do you do? You have to rewrite history and get a hold of the education system so that the very people that would rise up against you become your allies. Exactly. And so that's why the American public school system is so dangerous. Um, is in an age of unprecedented prosperity. To episode five, I think. So now we're going to go, uh, we're going to, it's, this is a little bit of an interim kind of the story, um, that we're talking about here, but it's worth mentioning. I think it's, it's one that I want to do another episode kind of on, which is, uh, the electricity part of it. And this is where JP Morgan comes in. I want to bring back in the bank. As you're watching this. You're going to tell me this. No, you can just make it big if you want. Oh, okay. attempts to orchestrate a hostile takeover. Carnegie Steel is eroding from the inside out. But the biggest challenge to Carnegie's empire isn't coming from within. 
threat is emerging. JP Morgan is a banker who's made a fortune consolidating broken industries, buying out failing companies, and returning them to profitability. Companies like Carnegie Steel. You look at JP Morgan, the way he controlled the banking system. Basically, there's one man who just literally dominated the banking industry and essentially dominated financing in the country. And he felt like he was a god. This is not a good thing, by the way. Morgan most recently consolidated parts of the broken railroad industry, making them profitable by eliminating unnecessary competition. Making them profitable by eliminating unnecessary competition. Those are, that's, that's business speak mm -hmm. for putting other entrepreneurs out of business, for people yeah. losing their jobs. Right. Profitability is the, um, is now the goal in life. Mm -hmm. And if profitability happens, then the world is good. If it's not profitable, then the world is bad. What they've done is they've reframed the idea. Uh, Norman Dodd will tell you, they uh, had historic, they, they trained teachers at teachers colleges to reframe the narrative of history through the lens of it, the economy. So the economy good is good, then things are good. And we have to unbrainwash ourselves from that because we are all brainwashed by that. Right. We turn on the news, how's the economy doing? That, nobody's asking, how's your soul doing? How's your marriage doing? How's your life doing? Are you full of joy? Are you healed? Are you full of love? Yeah, that's good. I've heard enough. This is what's going to happen. There's going to be an end to this war. The Morgan Bank will buy the West Shore and lease it to the Central. It'll also buy the Central stake in the South Pennsylvania in exchange for a share in other railroads. He excelled at taking warring parties who were destroying an industry and bringing peace on terms so now we've gone that were suitable to them, to the profitable to him, okay. and which gave him leverage in the business itself. Anyone who knew anything about him realized that, like him or not, he got things done. Hmm. Due to Frick's callousness, Andrew Carnegie fears he might become Morgan's next target. He makes a bold move, one that's become all but inevitable. So he has to go make a deal. Andrew? Henry. See that these accounts balanced by then. Hang on. Those in the patents. I'll leave you in peace to arrange your painting. J.P. Morgan understood the game, and at some point he realized that as successful as his father had been, he could become even more successful. Morgan's father always taught him to avoid taking big risks. But J.P. Morgan is tired of doing things his father's way. He doesn't want to simply buy businesses. He wants to build them from the ground up. He's watched as John Rockefeller and Andrew Carnegie have built empires from nothing. And he wants to be next. But to do that, Morgan needs to find an innovation to call his own. He sets his sights on one of the world's most famous inventors. Thomas Edison has been a so renowned I'm going to just skip most of this because this, it, it's an interesting story. But what he does, is he teams up with Thomas Edison to try to um, get electricity. And he lights his whole, his whole house up. And under Edison is who you all know as Nikola Tesla. Um, Thomas Edison ha uh, puts forth that, that the only safe current is a DC current. Nikola Tesla said that uh, AC currents are incredibly safe. Uh, Nikola Tesla goes and uh, gets another backer. And then Morgan and Edison and um, I forget it's in this documentary. And Tesla's backer, they all they both uh, put forth their a bid to Niagara Falls. So they're going to put a um, electricity generating plant there with hydropower. 
and it's actually the AC current that wins the day. Uh, and Nikola Tesla's actually, he gets, it's very interesting. He leaves the company because he believes so much in it. Um, and the company he is with doesn't have enough money. And then JP Morgan goes and says, well, we had, I had Edison under, under my, my tutelage, basically under my company and those patents now belong to me. So then he begins to, he corners the market on electricity. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to fast forward later since the age add here with electricity and then this is this kind of just shows you to me that the how the how electricity's foundations were press good. to witness the most sensational demonstration imaginable the world's first human execution by electricity so what morgan so what jb morgan and edison decide to do to try to prove the ac currents are lethal is J.P. Morgan and Edison take up a bid to create an electric chair, but it doesn't work. And they basically just roast a man alive yeah. because the AC current wasn't enough to kill the guy. And then Edison, Edison to try to disprove Nikola Tesla's electricity would go from town to town, like trying to put AC curtains through animals and killing them. It just always just not good. Okay. Miles into bedrock. Yeah. Once complete, the raw power of the falls will generate a mind-boggling 120,000 horsepower. So Tesla. Thank you, Nikola. Tesla gives Westinghouse control of Westinghouse. AC and foregoes all claim to his patents. Investments soon pour in, and Westinghouse Electric is viable again. Westinghouse knows that to beat Morgan, he needs a bold move. And soon, he has the perfect opportunity. Chicago is about to host one of the globe's landmark events, the World's Fair. Organizers want it to be the most stunning display of technology ever seen. They decide to light the entire event using electricity. The managers and creators of the Chicago World's Fair of 1893 want to have an entirely electric city. They want to be cutting edge. They invite companies to bid on this contract to electrify the fair. Morgan assumes that he and Edison are a lock to light the fair. But Westinghouse has other plans. He drastically underbids the project, claiming he can light the fair for less than a quarter of what Morgan and Edison have bid. The bold move secures the contract, and Westinghouse and Tesla immediately get to work wiring the fairgrounds. And finally, on opening night, with the eyes of the world on Chicago, they flip the switch. And instantly, over 200,000 light bulbs come to life. 27 million people came to this fair and saw an electrified world. And that had a huge, huge impact in spreading this technology. People realized that there was a whole electrical future coming. It's a display unlike any the world has ever seen. And it's all power. Who was funding it? J.P. Morgan's finances did not come from God. So J.P. Morgan financing electricity, the evilness of it is not necessarily... Here's the thing. Edison went crazy. He started electrifying and executing animals to try to prove a point. Electricity made him go insane. Okay. JP Morgan destroyed Thomas Edison. Okay. Then he becomes the powerful. Look at this image here. He becomes the powerful guy. He ends up buying the eight. He ends up having uh, Edison's DC currents. Nikola Tesla's, Tesla's Tesla's AC currents. They came up with it. Well, Nikola Tesla, he was smart and he had energy. And da, 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 da. He did not get it from God. And 
then JP Morgan didn't get it from God. The funding for this did not come from God. Right. All of the basis of it. So I, I'm going to put the, the idea of electricity to the side. The root of it did not come from God. JP Morgan's finances were through um, slavery. They profited off the Civil War. They cornered the market. They put other people out of business. They were ruthless businessmen. So when I have this whole house electrified, and it is, I am asking, I'm, I'm, I'm showing you these episodes so that we can all in faith, my kingdom-minded people, you guys have been through the Revelation Red Pill episode, episode after episode. I need you guys to go beyond the electricity. I need you to go with me in the spirit realm to the root and say, I don't care if we have electricity now. If we go back to the root and we ask Holy Spirit, how do we fix it where it went, where it went off? Where these evil people and where these sinful people mm. started to bring about things that maybe should not have come about. Lord, I, re I relinquish it. I let it go. Right now I need to use it. I'm talking to you guys on full <laughs> on all of these things, petroleum, electricity. But I'm telling you something. It's, it's been this way since the foundation of the earth. Wicked men try to take control of things. And the only way we take it down... Come on. Is to the power and love of God. That's right. And by getting the message out that it's bad. So yeah, I am using their weapons against them. Alex Jones says it all the time. And one day what I'm hoping is that God destroys all of this stuff. But I don't know how that looks. And I need you, my kingdom-minded people, to get on your face before God and to take out these principalities and powers. And then what's left of God will remain. How about that? That's good. How about... We pray that everything that was not created of him goes away and the principalities and powers that brought these things into being, that you reverse it. We need to be asking God to take our nation through the refiner's fire. Using George Westinghouse and Nikola Tesla's alternating current electricity. The fair forever demonstrates the safety and viability of AC. Westinghouse and Tesla's incredible display has another consequence. A decision is made on who will power the Niagara Falls station. Two letters go out. But only one man can win the contract. And JP Morgan doesn't win it. America he is now the most technologically okay, advanced nation what on do, the planet. What does he do? How is the seven... Let's save our soil. Let's save our soil. Oil and steel have built the country and the newest sensation. No mention of God. Oil, steel, build the country. No, no, no. Do you know our country was really kind of well-built before all of that? No, you had Vanderbilt. You had some very evil people who decided to do something. They created these railroad lines. And we should do a whole study. On, we should do a whole show on the, how the railroads, you guys know, at least I think you, you learned this in history class, where they, they, they used eminent domain and the railroads would go at, the, the railroads would send their, um, their, their guys to each town, strong arm them, steal land. I mean, it's just, it's led in just a massive amount of bloodshed and property theft to even have these railroads to begin with. Is electric light. Showcased at the Chicago World's Fair, electricity is about to go national. 
but and consider that with the electricity in the World's Fair and the propaganda behind but there can only it, be so one much there. like what we see today. People had to be talked into it. They didn't mm -hmm. really want it. No. It's kind of scary. It's a little bit dangerous. Very in expensive. A shocking twist. Mm -hmm. And seems like witchcraft, because it is. George Westinghouse wins the contract for the power station. Well, and J.B. Morgan's dad, I, I missed that. I, I kind of skimmed over that. He kept saying, stay away from the devil's business. That's the. He said that speculation is the devil's business and that it's it's the devil's business, is what he said. You always want to be in the winning locker room. You don't want to be in the loser's locker room with a towel around your head. And again, that's how these businessmen see winning and losing as a game. So JP, JP Morgan, Morgan has JP been badly Morgan defeated. Chase Bank right now, so you guys mm -hmm. just know where, where we're at. His dream of building an industry from the ground up is over. And he had he spent like half his fortune on these like really expensive European paintings. To make his own name ruined. This is the stuff of carnivals and fairs. And he been played for a fool. That's what his dad said. He realizes his father may have been right all along. But never willing to admit defeat, J.P. Morgan immediately sees a way to turn failure into opportunity. J.P. Morgan made a mistake back in Thomas Edison. I mean, they all make mistakes. And I always say that you have to guard against the downside because it can be the greatest deal you've ever seen. And there is a chance that that deal won't work out. Don't let a deal like that take you down if it doesn't work. Morgan is determined to gain control of the electric industry. And he's going to do it the Morgan way. If you were on his bad side or he coveted your company or the technology that your company had, you did not want to be in that position. Really, is that Christian? <laughs> is that Christian? If he coveted what you had, you didn't want to be in that position. Thou shalt not covet. Guess what? I just need you to know JP Morgan is in hell, rotting and screaming in hell right now. Morgan returns to the lessons of his father. He's going to intimidate the competition into submission. He starts his attack by going after Westinghouse and everything he owns, including Tesla's AC electricity patents. Congratulations, Westinghouse. I hear you won the Niagara Falls contract. I'll be taking you to court for patent infringement over AC designs. Why would you start a legal case that will cost millions? A case that you will lose? Because you don't have the resources to fight such a case. And you'll go under. What is it you want? You know the answer to that. My first demonstration is for those amongst you who fear. Westinghouse has no choice but to give in to Morgan's demands knowing that the cost of a lawsuit will put him out of business. He's forced to sign over the patents for Tesla's AC electricity. But Morgan doesn't stop with Westinghouse. With the loss of the Niagara contract, the company Morgan started with Thomas Edison is broken. And Edison's DC electricity looks like a failure. Thomas Edison is probably the most brilliant inventor America ever had. And like many brilliant men, he was capable of spectacularly wrong choices. As far as Morgan's concerned, there's only one way to fix Edison Electric. He's going to streamline the company. And his first step is to eliminate Thomas Edison. Again, the ruthlessness of these guys to think that everything is a game. ...up additional shares of Edison Electric stock until he has complete control of the company. a device that shows moving pictures. We'll put the Niagara business behind us. Edison General Electric will move forward to greater things. The name of the company's been changed to General Electric. But it's my company. Surely I have a say. Not anymore. You no longer have a majority stake. 
Morgan's new electric company, General Electric, is instantly one of oh, the most powerful. Oh, really? That's how General Electric had started. Through conniving, trickery, anger, violence. Corporations on Earth, valued at $50 million, or the modern equivalent of over $1 billion. Stealing it from... It literally it took way. Thomas Edison's inventions and stole them all, and then... And then when this guy, the amount, Michelle, you, can you at least talk about the amount of evil that this has to take for this guy to be constantly brimming over with just ideas to destroy everybody? Well, I would counter not just the amount of evil that it would take, but let's think about how, where was the church while all this was happening? Yeah, where was they it? They were believing that... The, Jesus was going to come back. Jesus was going to return, and so they yeah, they yeah, let yeah, the yeah, yeah. they let the hands yeah, yeah, yeah. off the wheel, yeah, yeah, and yeah. the enemy just flooded Ooh, right back in. This is yes, this is the result. We were of advancing the, the kingdom. The kingdom of God was descending. Yes. And we were holding back this yes. onslaught of yes. evil, and then the Thank church you. took a back seat. Yes. What year is this? Um. It's it's 1920s. I think. So we're looking at the Schofield Reference Bible coming about. We're looking at a lot of different things where the church has just like become this big giant puddle of nothing. They've been completely, you know, speaking of Scott Kesterson's reverse vasectomy that he just had yesterday. And Lee and I learned something brand new that we never knew that where the sperm is stored in the testicle and it goes down this line called the vas deferens. This is 1892. Let me finish this and we'll get back to that. Goes and, and what happens is when the sperm drops, and goes down the vas deferens and makes this turn, they don't know, no one in science, not a single person alive or dead can explain what makes that sperm go from something that's kind of an inanimate object to alive, okay? We're talking about actual life and what happens in a vasectomy is they completely cut that off. And so you are walking around as a dead man, complete death. And what the modern end times theory did was a vasectomy on the body of Christ. So we've got all of these Christians walking around completely dead with no life. You know what's interesting? And you see these people come in with this, with a faux version of life, a perverted version of giving light to the world, giving electricity, giving all this big stuff. Everything can come back to perversion. It is a perversion of the way that God designed us all to live. So what do we do? Why are we watching this? We're going back and we're getting a reverse vasectomy, the body of Christ. That's what Revelation Red Pill is truly about, to go back and bring life. So answer for the show. Get this, get this. This is really important. Yours will wait. You're reading it. No, but I'm going to lose it if I don't. You're not going to lose it. Write it down. Write it down. How do we combat the evil? You turn and you repent and you start letting life flow again. So it's not as much how do we take down these big bad guys. We go back and we repent for what we did and we start breathing and breathing life back into society. And I remember because in episodes 34 and 35 of Revelation Red Pill, we started talking about Margaret Sanger and eugenics and all of these things. It's all tied together. So when we go back to the root 
and we start repenting and we start making the changes in our own lives and in our own hearts, we don't have to be big and bad enough to take down these big guys. All we have to do is start breeding life in the church, in our lives, in our families, in everything that we do. And then they will crumble because they only came to power because we let our hands off the wheel. So all we have to do is put our hands back on the wheel and boom, they fall. And I would, instead of the wheel, because we're talking about the corruption of the industrial revolution, I would say, take back the reins. So get this. All right, I'm going to make us big again. The 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 Bible conferences that John Darby John Darby came over to America um, between 1862 and 1877, and he started to unleash this premillennial dispensationalism in America mm-hmm. right during the Civil War. Right. Okay, and so we're putting ourselves in that timeline. Uh, The Civil War took place between 61 and 65. After the war, citizens were concerned about post-war construction, the issue of slavery. At first, no one considered Darby's new teachings as relevant, but in time, pastors began to embrace his end times view. James H. Brooks, pastor of Walnut Street Presbyterian Church in St. Louis, Missouri, was one of the first influential people to adopt the teachings of Darby. Brooks quickly became a leading proponent of dispensationalism, end times, rapture, all that stuff. Remember, you guys, this was like 150 years ago. In 1868, the Believers' Meeting for Bible Study was organized in New York. James Brooks serves as president from 1875 until 1897. In 1883, the conferences were moved to Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario, and the name of the meetings was changed to the Niagara Bible Conferences. Keep that date. Hold on. These conferences were instrumental, yes, in promoting the views of dispensationalism, futurism, and pre-tribulation millennialism. It is important to note that the Niagara Bible Conference produced its own 14-point creed, the 14th point aimed at the premillennial second coming of Christ. This was the beginning of what would later be called the Bible Conferences Movement. Numerous topics were presented at the Bible Conferences, and the dispensationalism was always the, the most important subject. Many people were influenced through the conferences and dispensationalism began to be accepted. Now, I am going to pull in my own little conspiracy theory thing here because the Niagara Falls Hydraulic Power and Manufacturing Company, which constructed a canal for hydraulic power generating nearly 20 years prior, began operating a small electrical plant in Niagara Falls, New York in 1882. So one year later, the Bible conferences get moved there. Yeah. So I just find it to be incredibly... It's like a draw of satanic power. Yes, that like the, the, the Satanists, the Satan went to where this electricity was being generated for the first time. Right. And so this dispensational end times theology that keeps us, the devil needed to get us out of the way. And he did it through the end times movement. But he electrified it first. Oh, that's really good, Leah. Is that it? Yeah, I just made that up. That was good. I'm just putting two and two together. Go back to our... We're doing it. We got it. Morgan converts the company to AC electricity, the standard that's still used today. With General Electric, you could tell they were building a big company and a, something that was really going to change the world. They were really trying to position it in the marketplace as a significant, blasting company. General Electric will go on to become one of America's biggest corporations. The players change, the stakes change. 
but the essence of the game stays the same. The essence of the game stays the same. Whether it's understanding who it is that you have to kind of massage, who it is you got. The players change, but the essence of the game stays the same. Why, Michelle? Because the devil has no new tricks. Because it's all a game. It, it's all a spiritual thing. It, it exactly. all continues down a thread. You got to knock on the head. Who it is you have to buy off to do this. Who it is you have to buy off to do this. That's the game. That's the game. With the creation of GE, JP Morgan has consolidated the electric industry. Just like he did with the railroads. And Wall Street. It's a move he learned from his father. A move JP Morgan has now made his own. There's always a reason why you can't do something. But if deep inside you, it's what you want very badly. You take chances. You measure opportunity and get where you want to go. Because, but you don't get where you want to go. Because in, that's the guy who gets there by pushing people. That's the guy who runs the race and trips the guy next to him yeah. to get where he wants to go. Yeah. J.P. Morgan joins Rockefeller and Carnegie as one of the most powerful men in the country. That's where electricity comes but from. But Morgan's rapid rise to the... He is the electricity guy. J.P. Morgan, this evil, crooked banker, is where we get electricity from. Not from Thomas Edison. Because if Thomas Edison were left to his own reconnaissance and his own abilities, he might just have one light bulb, light bulb powered by like a big, loud generator mm -hmm. to the side. Or by a potato. Okay. But you have to have the money stolen yes. in order to have the investment power of J.P. Morgan. That's right. The top makes him hungrier than ever. Makes him hungrier than ever at being at the top. And as his power grows, his rivals are forced to adjust. His rivals are forced to adjust. America is the fastest growing country on the planet. So gross. Linked by railroads, fueled by oil, and built on steel. And built on not Jesus. For magical new innovation. Electricity is transforming the world. And with General Electric, J.P. Morgan is the uncontested leader in the industry, using his millions to build power stations from coast to coast. Using his millions got wrongfully. Unrighteous gain does not do anything godly. Bringing electricity to the masses for the first time. It's, he's not a philanthropic guy trying to change the world for the better, by the way change the world they want to have a significant impact don't want to just build a company they want to build an industry don't want to just create another product they don't want to just they they want to build an industry because industry means that people have to hunger after and keep the electric company gets your money every month no matter what no matter what they really want to fundamentally improve aspects of, of, of people's lives no they didn't but jp morgan doesn't want to be there's not one lick of these people and these people in the beginning that wanted to, to do anything to improve people's lives come on come on why do they even say things like that find to just one industry he wants to own them all as the head of the biggest investment bank in the world morgan has unrivaled power and influence and he's returned to his old ways only now he's taken the house of morgan to another level of course he has Electricity. morgan's reach was very broad in american industry he becomes the most respected, reliable, and trusted figure, not only because of the power and wealth that he wields, but just because of his character. 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 I'm just going to put everybody I know out of business. That's character. After a two-year depression, the U.S. Treasury has come perilously close to bankruptcy. So guess what and he does? And there's only one man the government can turn to. J.P. Morgan is called to Washington to help. 
No, he actually goes to Washington. This mean. is actually the false story. He does not call to Washington to help. He demands a um, meeting with the president and says, you're going to do what I tell you to do. Gangsta, gangsters. Uh, Morgan was maybe one of the greediest of all, but he also had this side of him, which just said, I have faith in men, I have faith in country, and I am going to lend it. Morgan puts together a loan worth over $100 million, almost $3 billion today, and bails out the federal government, saving the American economy from complete collapse. J.P. Morgan was really the country's banker. Today, when you think of that, it's inconceivable, but he would loan the country money when the country was in trouble. Morgan, obviously, was looking at the national interest in the context of his own, that is, saving the U.S. Treasury was an act of basic self-interest, but it was an act of nationalism. Mm -hmm. you don't get to have Morgan's newfound basic. power is a huge wake-up call to his rivals. They see Morgan as a threat they need to deal with before he deals with them. John Rockefeller feels the pressure to keep his empire intact like never before. Despite his best efforts to stop it in its tracks, electricity has gone mainstream. The people started these great companies. They just think out solutions on their own to problems. You don't do it the way it's been done before. That's in a book. You go out and you try something new because you think it, that you'll be able to make it work. To keep Standard Oil profitable, Rockefeller needs to find a product to replace kerosene. Again, not And the answer led by the may have been in front of him the entire time. So then he's got gasoline, which is the byproduct, have which is highly unstable. Do you hear me, Carnegie? Do you hear me, Rockefeller? So, hang on. Who could destroy everything he and his rivals have built. Do you hear me, Carnegie? Do you hear me, Rockefeller? As the 20th century approaches, J.P. Morgan and John Rockefeller have been locked in a battle pitting electricity against kerosene. Their rival, Andrew Carnegie, has stayed out of the fray. He's been quietly building his steel empire bigger than ever, including landing lucrative contracts with the US Navy to provide steel for warships, making him one of the country's first defense contractors. Mm. The great business icons, it's not that they were worth hundreds of millions or billions or trillions of dollars, is that they moved society forward. They whatever their motivations, whatever it was, they being here and their lust for success, for power, for money, for fame, moved us forward. And that is the lie that they're teaching millions of kids. And that is the lie. If you take Their one thing, if you power moved us forward, said no Christian ever. Lust for power doesn't do anything but destroy. But now JP Morgan is about to take business to a whole new level. He begins looking for other ways to make money. Building on his father's business model, he creates a tactic that's so innovative, it becomes known as Morganization. Morganization, in effect, means taking companies that were fighting each other, bringing them together, and managing the company in such a way that competition is reduced, profits are increased. In other words, trying to impose order on these fiercely competitive industries. Morgan starts restructuring companies in industries across the country, firing workers and eliminating inefficiencies, while... Okay, let me explain something. If you believe that the most efficient way to run a business, then you are Ebenezer Scrooge. If you are one who believes in competition, who believes that every person has a right to own their own business, then you are Fuzzywig, Mr. Fuzzywig from A Christmas, Christmas Carol, Carol, who he's not worried about the profits. He wants to do a good job. He wants to pay his employees well. If you are worried at the, about the bottom line, see the problem with American industry that we have today and the stock market and even 
the law that we have set up is that you must maximize profits for your investors. If you are not maximizing profits for your investors, then it's actually illegal. Right. And so um, it's called shareholder something something. And so um, they the, the shareholders of Elon Musk's company wanted to kind of sue him and go after him for buying um, uh, Twitter and then kind of ruining the brand. But they really can't go after them because he's a it's his own money. Yeah. Right. He's not investing Tesla's money. And so in this world that we, we live in right now with the stock market and you see the stock ticker on, on uh, the nightly news and all that, this is kind of the religion and the facade that is being kept up. Yeah. That the goodness of the world is based on if a company and companies are creating profit, not if the employees are healthy, if they're happy, if they're well taken care of, if you're treating them like God would have, like the Jesus says... So, there are two main commandments. Love the Lord your God mm -hmm. with all your heart and soul and strength and love right. your neighbor as yourself. If you are treating your employees or, and you shouldn't even call them employees, you should call them all partners. If you have people that are working for you, they need to be partners in, in whatever it is that you're doing. And you need, to, you need to pay them whatever it is that you would do that job for. But if you're undercutting people because you're trying to make money, we have a friend of ours who works for um, a company and and they all get bonuses at the end of the year if the company is doing well. The company does, yeah. And this particular boss tries to make sure that all of the employees are taken care of. Uh, they treat each other like family. They know about each other's families. And he pays them a living wage. Could he be wealthier by taking more money yeah. from his employees? Absolutely. But does it make him more happy to see it? You know, I think one family has like seven or eight kids. Does it make him happy that he has a person that works for him that, that is able to provide for his family and his wife to stay at home and take care of these children? Absolutely. But these business guys are talking about the Carnegie's, the, the well, we haven't gotten to four, we're not going to do four tonight. The Morgans uh, and, and, and the Rockefellers in some sort of nostalgic way of, yeah, they built it up. Yeah, they hurt some people to get here, but we're grateful for it. Okay, you can go back. Prioritizing profits over everything else. And soon, Morgan's rivals adopt the same approach. The private sector, greed, ambition, dreamers, the stuff of entrepreneurs, Look at it too close. I have a business, but I have no greed. What is wrong with you? You may not admire it as much as you do after the fact. Carnegie and Rockefeller begin organizing their own companies, maximizing profits by slashing their workforce. Those who still maximizing have Maximizing their profits by slashing their workforce. These guys are billionaires. But they want to see the bottom line of their of their numbers going up, and they're in competition to each other right now. And that is a father of children, and the heartlessness that you have to have. And let's keep in mind above all else while we're watching this. We care about the workers, and they should be treating their workers right, and yada, yada, yada. We shouldn't even have workers. Okay? Nobody should be Every doing that job. Every man should be on their own land, working like working with animals, working the land, growing their own food. These this are is inhumane not, jobs. This is slavery. Oh, Michelle, yeah. but they volunteered for it. Well, really, because let me ask you guys a question. For most of you out there, if you wanted to go and buy land and start doing that, could you? 
mm-hmm. with even a 10 year plan, you're stuck. And if you're stuck, it's slavery. Mm-hmm. Are forced to work longer hours for even less pay. What we saw during this golden age of capitalism was golden the unregulated age. side of capitalism that make us feel these Pause days. Pause real quick, sorry. He just said what we saw was the unregulated side of capitalism. You, Religion and morality being necessary to good government, schools and means of education shall forever be encouraged. We have a, um, we don't have a, our constitution is incapable of contending with human passions unbridled without religion and morality our constitution the liberty you don't need all these laws you don't need all these regulations you don't you don't need the fda the usda the cdc you everybody wants to get rid of all these companies but you can't do that until you uh, until you bring in and you train children all day long be a good person love one another and you recite it in children over and every once in a while you're going to get a kid that goes rogue okay but right now, the rogue kid is the kid that loves Jesus. Come on. Okay? That is why schools are so important to these industrialists. They have to take out the idea of being good and kind. Right. Now, there's good and kind, but there's business at the end of the day. Right. Because no one else Their was keeping an eye on things. Kind. Conditions for workers across the country become almost unbearable, as going to work for many Americans becomes a dangerous proposition. So Ford, and we are going to get, I'm not going to Ford, but it is Ford too. Ford and Carnegie, Rockefeller, J.P. Morgan, with all of their businesses that all they're doing, they've made life so unbearable. Their hearts are so hard mm. and they're so dark. They're so black. We need to go back and have the gospel be preached and get these workers. We need to get these, these, these industries out of workers and get them on their land. And we have to do that by the spirit of God. Say, you are your king of your own castle. You do not need to work for Carnegie. You don't need to work for um, Morgan. You have a gifting and calling. And I wake up every day and I guarantee you, God did not call these men to work for these men. You need to find out what your birthright is and what your calling is and find yourself in that. You had a working class or even the unemployed. They had a very hard time of it. Uh, they had low paying jobs. Uh, when you say working class, those are people who have not entered into their birthright, not entered into the kingdom. And, and, and the devil and these people need to keep you out of your kingdom place. Mm. Because if you're in your kingdom place and you're as a king and a priest, you're not going to be their pauper. If any at all in this period, uh, a little bit above starvation wages, many of them. So there's a growing disparity of wealth in this period that was very striking. What people define as haves and have not, super rich hedge fund guys and people just trying to pay their mortgage is still nowhere near what was going on in the old days. And as far as mortgage. your truly abusive no, he says he said what you have now, the disparity between people oh. who are trying to oh, do okay, their mortgage, okay, okay. it was nowhere near the disparity. Okay. The gap between the rich and the poor continues to grow at a staggering rate. In seven... While the working class struggles, profits for Carnegie, Morgan, and Rockefeller are better than ever. And look at the pollution they did. And by the way, the, the, the byproduct of making all of that oil was gasoline, and it went straight into the soil and into the rivers. And they were polluting. And I'm telling you, it wasn't God because the, it literally, yeah. that's where the gasoline came from. Mm -hmm. They're like, this is a byproduct. They couldn't use it. It went all into rivers, all into the soil, yeah. poisoning everything. To millions of workers around the country, the titans of industry have become a symbol of everything wrong with America. A seething undercurrent of anger takes hold. One that quickly bubbles to the surface. With an election year on the horizon, 
a politician from Nebraska is channeling the public's frustrations. I will tear down those trusts. And directing them right at America's richest men. Do you hear me, Carnegie? Do you hear me, Rockefeller? William Jennings Bryan is an up-and-coming political force who's drawing huge crowds, vowing to put an end to the country's monopolies. But Bryan's promise of change is bad news for the leaders of American business. And many people, it seemed as though big money, big corporations, and the biggest of all, Standard Oil, were taking over the country. From this emerged the progressive movement. And a major part of its platform was antitrust legislation. Not just legislation, but antitrust prosecution. So rather than bring God back in, they're like, we want to legislate more. This is where the progressive movement comes in. This is been the last part of our show for tonight. I'm going to show you how and when they got into our elections. Rockefeller, Carnegie, and Morgan have built entire industries from the ground up. They're not about to let a charismatic politician destroy their empires. But public opinion is solidifying against them. For good reason. And as Brian begins a campaign for the White House, the Titans know that stopping him won't be easy. They devise a plan so bold, no one has ever attempted it before. There's only one problem. To be successful, they can't work alone. For the first time, America's most powerful men will have to put their rivalries aside mm -hmm. and start working together. What do you think? We need to buy the president. They need to buy the president. All right, now we're going to go to the last part of our, of, of our segment tonight. Previously on the men who built oh, America. Not that one. Where's number seven? That's number six. Sorry. I'm not sure where we're at. Number seven. Previously on the men who built America. No one. I've heard enough. This is what's going to happen. The Morgan Bank. And with a presidential election on the horizon, their next move will shock the world. Working <laughs> and this is this is when they've been buying elections ever since. Almost unbearable. In a single year. He made himself the spokesman for the common man. He was a great commoner. There's no doubt that he tapped into something that was vital to most Americans that were not well so this off. This is the election of McKinley and, and William Jennings Bryan. Honestly, administer the law and to allow every wrongdoer to operate unchecked as long as he has enough money. Allow every wrongdoer to operate unchecked as long as he has enough money. So this is the beginning of the progressive movement. This is still, at this point, the, the progressive movement were the Democrats. And J.P. Morgan and Carnegie and Rockefeller were going to buy the Republican ticket. The trust became a target of Democrats. So that antitrust became a rallying cry of everybody who was, well, not seen as in the hip pocket of the corporations themselves. I will tear down these trusts. Do you hear me, Carnegie? Do you hear me, Rockefeller? Brian's emergence is the biggest threat the Titans have ever faced. He promises to dismantle their companies and to not rest until they're behind bars. Until they're behind bars. This is William Jennings Bryan at a recent Democrat rally. He's a prohibitionist and a devout Presbyterian. According to him, Darwin's theory of evolution is a pack of lies. He's an enemy of the gold standard and an enemy of big business. It is certain that he will win the Democratic nomination. What do you think? The Republican Party has a good candidate. No. We have to buy our own president. 
they took advantage of their strengths. When you have, you know, what relatively speaking is an unlimited amount of money, you can pay people to do almost anything for you. They took advantage of their strengths. If you have an unlimited amount of money, you can just pay people. That's what they did with Ohio issue one. And now we have abortion up to birth and we're going to turn that around in the name of Jesus and kids can cut their genitals off at any age. Okay. Because if you have enough money, the Satan could be whatever. Okay. I'm just telling you guys, this is when it really, the rubber met the road. Desperate to protect the empires they've spent their lifetimes building. The Titans throw their full support behind the candidacy of Ohio governor. Don't. Tell me that electricity is good. Don't tell me because these evil men were so evil. And now we had Ohio's governor, William, William McKinley. McKinley. William McKinley's campaign manager was an industrialist himself. And he went essentially hat in hand around Wall Street, gunning them, saying, if McKinley doesn't win, that crazy man, Brian, will be president. And if Brian is president, don't you realize what that is going to do to the credibility of the United States around the world? Ohio the Titans wield crazy. more power than any group of men in American history. Wasn't Christian. And they're about to use it. Much appreciated. This is McKinley's speech that he'll be giving at the Republican convention. Make sure he sees it in time. Understood. Rockefeller, Morgan, and Carnegie each give over $200,000 to McKinley, the equivalent of $20 million today. The campaign is by far the most expensive in American history and McKinley outspends Brian by a factor of five to one. Five to one. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Yep. But they don't just fund their candidate. The group wields tremendous influence, and they aren't shy about using it. Suggesting headlines and orchestrating PR campaigns aimed at getting McKinley so elected. The control it was media. easier to buy the publicity that you wanted in those days than it is now. They the were saying that, like one of those things said, Brian calls workers public beggars. But he's fighting for them. Mm -hmm. Mark, and it was easier to feed information to your favorite correspondents then than it probably is now. Brian fights back. He undertakes the country's first whistle-stop press tour, crisscrossing the nation and speaking directly to the people. The tour becomes the model for the way presidential campaigns are conducted to this day. Brian gives over 500 speeches to huge crowds across the country. I will put rings in the noses of these hogs. Publicly attacking the nation's richest and most powerful men and vowing to usher in a whole new era. As Brian's campaign gains traction, the nation's talks. leading industrialists turn to fear tactics. Many big employers, many big industrialists said, if Brian wins the election, business is going to be so bad, we're simply closing shop. So if Brian wins on election Tuesday, don't bother showing up for work on the next day because there won't be jobs. Well, if you're a worker and this is something that confronts you, you're going to think very seriously, even if you had been intending to vote for Brian. Which way does maybe your heart leans toward Brian, but where does your pocketbook point? On election day, the lines are drawn. It's Wall Street versus Main Street, rich versus poor. One of the things of an evolving society is, that, is the wealth distribution. And it's clear that what we argue about today, that's the core of every politics, is, is it better with wealth in the hands of a few versus distributing among the many, whether from a moral or an economic point of view. 90% of eligible voters go to the polls, roughly double recent turnouts. In the 1890s, voting was a public act. And on one side, there was the Republican ballot box, and the other side was the Democratic ballot box. And so your foreman, or an agent of your foreman, could see who you voted for. So there was a certain coercion you were that was employed by- at your workplace, and your boss could see how you were, how you voted. It's incredible. By the Republicans upon those urban workers. They might well have decided what they decided on their own, but this simply made it easier for them to decide that. When the polls close, the nation's future hangs in the balance. 
for 20 long hours, Carnegie, Morgan, and Rockefeller agonize oh, over the results. Oh, and by the way, they knew the results of their election. Not knowing whether the modern the country they helped build. <laughs> they were just in their hands. In the now. United States. Yeah. And all the ballots are counted. America is at a crossroads. Determine the future of the nation. William Jennings Bryan carries the rural South and Midwest, while Ohio Governor William McKinley takes the big money Northeast. As the results are tallied, the nation holds its breath. Until finally, a president is chosen. Rockefeller, Carnegie, and Morgan have dodged a bullet. The country remains in their control. With McKinley in office, they're free to conduct business in the way they've become accustomed. After McKinley's election, a number of the issues that had bothered the big businessmen conveniently went away. He was a man who was, in his philosophy, in his um, approach to politics, very much in sympathy with them. McKinley rolls back regulations, and profits once again skyrocket. He rolls back regulations that people were getting harmed and hurt in these industries and it this is not good it's back to business as usual and carnegie rockefeller and morgan are set to become even more powerful than ever before they've defeated their common enemy and now Game. they go back if you're in a well-run company competing against other well-run companies you're, you're coming up with ideas to jump them you gotta be thinking they might do this i'm gonna do this it's not a big, complicated thing. He literally has Satan in his eyeballs. Every time he comes up, I see it. Rockefeller is a fool. How so? Should we be worried? No. You can buy iron ore anywhere. And the ore from the Masabi mines is like dust. It clogs the blast furnaces. So then he tried to take over. The negotiations last for months. Carnegie. And neither man is... So Rockefeller... Rockefeller may have gotten the better of Carnegie, but their deal has drawn the attention of another rival who envisions something even bigger. America has expanded more in the last three decades than anybody else, and he used this to pursue his vision of the American economy. Morgan's years of deal-making have left him with a controlling interest in companies ranging from manufacturing to mining to railroads. One industry brings all those others together. Steel. J.P. Morgan believes that some individual has to bring sense and has to bring order to American capitalism. That's, what he had, that's really what he Morgan thought. Morgan wants mm -hmm. to end the cutthroat competition the cut in steel. Competition steel. And, and the only way to do that is to bring together the competitors into one new company. Yeah, if Morgan one can new consolidate company. steel, he could potentially create the largest corporate empire just, in the world. It's too cutthroat, Michelle. There's too much competition. But to do that, J.P. Morgan will need to pull the, off his biggest and me. most daring move yet. <laughs> A complete takeover of Andrew Carnegie's empire. Morgan's timing is impeccable. Carnegie, after years of bruising battles, is questioning his future. So he ends up selling to... Um... Did you know, Charles, that the game of golf was invented in Scotland? I did not. So do they treat you like a king when you return home to Scotland? <laughs> I suppose they do. And then you came to America and became a king of industry. 
You created your own destiny. Destiny is not a matter of chance, it is a matter of choice. And now he set his sights on end. I believe that that is the earliest in the day that I've ever drunk champagne. Congratulations, Carnegie. You're now the richest man in the world. Would you have said yes, Morgan, if I had asked for a hundred million more? Goodbye, Carnegie. I think he sells it. I think he tells him how much he sells it for. Four hundred and eighty million dollars. Have Carnegie come and meet me. Tell him the answer is yes. I believe that that is the earliest in the day that I've ever drunk so champagne. I forget what he, they said and what that was equivalent to. For 30 years, Andrew Carnegie has battled John D. Rockefeller for the title of America's richest man. And now, he's finally surpassed him. That's an admirable goal. The deal gives Carnegie a personal net worth of over $310 billion in today's money, the largest private fortune the modern world has ever seen. He's rotting in hell right, at, right now. Initially, right there so is this enormous... So we think of Rockefeller as the standard oil guy, but then he became the steel guy, and he became the guy who took over elections, and, and he became the guy who took over education. Yeah. He can't quite believe now that he has no connection with Pittsburgh or his mills, that there is no Carnegie Steel anymore. And I think it's, it's hard for him to get used to that. With if somebody accepts the ask uh, too quickly, then you think... There was more room there. But I never like to look back. I'm a very What do you need with $380 billion? Oh, if he accept the ass too quickly, maybe I should look back. Maybe I should ask for $100 million more. Thinking person and to a very positive what? thinking person. To do and what? the transactions that I did and did not do. I very rarely have any remorse over a situation. I like to move on. JP Morgan calls his new company US Steel. It's instantly the biggest corporation in the world. The first company in history to be worth more than $1 billion and it will dominate the steel business for almost 100 years, virtually unchallenged. But the creation of U.S. Steel is only possible in this new era of unchecked monopolies. He said the creation of the, yes, the creation mm -hmm. of this new era, this, this new steel, mm -hmm. the U.S. Steel was only possible in an era of unchecked monopolies. So again, what I'm trying to get to is the root. Was this God? So right now we have, they're saying all these things happened because we didn't have the regulations and now we have the regulations so they couldn't happen. But again, going back to John Adams, George Washington, why was our country created? Our country was created on the fact that you and I, Michelle, we're never ever gonna do something to hurt somebody else. Right. And we try to teach that and parents are supposed to teach their kids, you never do anything to hurt someone, you only help. You're only a blessing to other people. And when you have a, 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 like a godless vacuum, where you're not teaching children to love one another and love them even more than themselves, then you have this. And so you have all these monopolies, you have all these huge businesses because Christians are not teaching their kids to love, to be kind, to be gentle, and they're not pushing back on the evil. Right. An era Morgan helped create when he and his rivals put their president in the White House. Kevin. They may have helped buy the president, but they can't avoid politics forever. Their power over the nation's biggest industries soon catches the attention of an emerging politician, Theodore Roosevelt. Roosevelt was the kind of uh, figure that had to dominate, had to, in a sense, own the room. 
Roosevelt is from a wealthy New York family and could have become a businessman like Carnegie or Rockefeller, but he took a different path, foregoing a career in business for one in politics. But the young Roosevelt had an image problem. His fancy clothes and upper-class demeanor left him open to ridicule. He took great pains to remake his image, posing in a New York City photography studio dressed as a Badlands hunter with a $500 engraved silver hunting knife from Tiffany's. The images help Roosevelt transform himself from a wealthy New York aristocrat into a man of the people. And as Roosevelt enlists in the army, the image he manufactured becomes real. Theodore Roosevelt became a hero during the Spanish-American War. And the Republican boss of New York State said to Theodore Roosevelt, you're my boy. Got him the Republican nomination and by virtue of his heroism, became New York governor. So then what um, the big three do is they're like, this guy's coming after us. And this is what I try to tell you when it comes to Teddy Roosevelt, he became a progressive. He became a voice for the people. Again, he wanted democracy. He also was a big, they don't say, they don't tell you any of this in this documentary. He was a big eugenicist. He was a, you know, Margaret Sangerite, you know, have less kids, those kind of things, kill all the, you know, sterilize, that kind of people, get all the, the he wanted to help the degenerates. Okay. By having them not exist. So you've got two different factions that are not of God. So what they do is the, these, these big business guys, and that's why we say there's a uniparty. Because in this whole narrative, you'll see the these Democrats and Republicans, Democrats and Republicans, Democrats and Republicans, the big business guys, and these guys, they're all, they're all kind of going at each other, not doing the Holy Spirit. Maybe the William Jennings Bryan guy might have brought in some Jesus. I don't know. We don't know because he never became president. Um, but um, you have uh, the Theodore Roosevelt, who is kind of like the first kind of communist almost spirit, like the he's he's the he's the first kind of woke, the rich woke kids on mm -hmm. campuses who try to go after the big corporations. Right. But they're still not doing it the way God would have him do it. So what um, Carnegie and Rockefeller do is they decide, you know what, let's put him in as vice president so he doesn't become president where vice presidents go to to just die. Okay, but something happens, and we're going to finish up our show. It's, we're almost done here. You keep saying that. I said, we're in. Look, we're almost done. But then every time they say something, you pause. Roosevelt quickly demonstrated an independent streak. Roosevelt could not be manipulated at all. As governor of New York, Roosevelt passes laws clamping down on big business. His biggest targets are the nation's most powerful monopolies and the men behind them. But Rockefeller and Morgan know they can't buy Roosevelt. So they set out to make him as weak as possible. Make him as weak. And aspiring trust buster Theodore Roosevelt McKinley's is installed as vice president, a clever play to silence his influence. With McKinley in office for another four years, John Rockefeller and J.P. Morgan have the freedom to expand their empires to unprecedented something heights. Something happens. You know what happens? In September of 1901, President McKinley travels to Buffalo to give a speech heralding America's prosperity. But that prosperity hasn't reached everyone. Many are still struggling to survive. And they're fed up with McKinley's close relationship with big business. Leon Chaugosh is a former factory worker who recently lost his job at a company J.P. Morgan took over during the creation of U.S. Steel. I've seen this before. As Chaugosh struggled, he took refuge in the growing anarchist movement. He becomes convinced that the government is helping the rich exploit the poor. And he's determined to put an end to it.
For America's most powerful men, it's the worst case scenario. An assassin's bullet has robbed them of their president, a man they spent millions to get elected. And with his death, their worst enemy comes to power. How but is he really their worst no, enemy? No, he really I mean, was not. On. And actually, that's kind of like the end of the show. Um, with, with Theodore Roosevelt in power, um, I hope you guys have come away with a better understanding of how we got to where we are. And now you can pray kingdom prayers to go back to all the different roots. So go back to Vanderbilt. God, make it like he didn't create those railroads. So what does that look like? Um, we didn't talk about uh, Rockefeller's dad, who was um, known as uh, what? What what was he known as? Um, Devil Bill, and the creation of BP, alcohol versus gas, um, and then how Rockefellers. Um, there's a really cool documentary, and I guess I could just tell you guys about it. I didn't I didn't have time to play it. How big oil conquered the world. Um, I will I will put this in the Rumble link, and. Show, oh, no, I don't want that. Rumble, rumble. Um, you guys know a little bit about the pharma. You, okay. you want to say, I'll grab it. Um, how big oil conquered the world. It's up there. I know. How medicine was taken over. Education was taken over by Rockefeller. That's a vein that we didn't really, a three-hour program. You can't go over three guys in their whole lives and all the damage that they've done. But I can tell you that I serve a God who fixes all damage. And just as they corrupted this country and corrupted the world as a result, God can fix it and he's going to fix it. And I believe that God is waking people up to pray, to pray in the spirit, to pray away. You know, when we're using the sword of the spirit, we have the ability to, um, the word of God cuts um, between bow and bow, bone and marrow. So let's say... There are some things that have come about or been invented that are neutral or not evil. Well, maybe they stay around. Okay? Maybe there's a way to have steel that's not so evil. I don't know about the kerosene lamp. I know that putting it on in barrels and putting it on the railroad cars is not God. So where does that leave us? I know it stinks and it's disgusting. <laughs> so let's pray. For God to make the world in his image where you and I, if you're watching here, you're probably living a pretty good life. But there are lots of people who are not. If you think about the people in Thailand or Philippines, you see, there are the haves and there are the have-nots. And because we are part of the Western nations, usually most of you watching here, you're part of the haves. Okay? And we have to repent of being part of the haves of basically taking the breadcrumbs from those big corporations so that we will stay quiet mm. so that they bring us in on, you know, it's kind of like when somebody enters a room and you have a printing press that so you have to give them a cut. Mm -hmm. And so we're in the West, we're getting a cut from the printing press, but it's not all over the world. When you look at China, those people are suffering. I watched a documentary of people living in shanty houses in Thailand. Look at Africa. Look at India. People living on the streets, living in the gutter. If you're watching here, you probably have a full belly and you're worried about not eating too much. Yeah. 
versus people who don't have enough. That's right, we are. And so I want you to see the people that don't have enough and the reason they don't have enough is because we have too much. And you say, well, I'll give them some of mine, but you can't because that's not the way counterfeit works. With counterfeit, somebody's always going to be on the top and somebody's always going to be on the bottom. With God, we're all equal. There's no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no Carnegie, there's no Rockefeller, there's no worker in the factory. We're all equal and we're all gifted by God. Did Carnegie or Rockefeller ever think to say over their workers, I want to pray for you guys today. I want to pray that you are living out the life that God has for you because they know that if they did that, they wouldn't be in their factory and there wouldn't be the steel. And somehow we have been brainwashed into thinking that we wouldn't even be here or we wouldn't be happy if they hadn't have bent the rules. And we feel like they bend rules, but they didn't bend rules. They broke lives. They broke spirits. They stole. They raped the planet. The petroleum that goes around the planet is such the biggest polluter. People have cancers. Well, people live longer. Well, do they? Are they happy? Do you know anybody who's truly happy? 80% of men are looking at pornography. I don't really know any truly happy marriage. Some, most of the happy marriages come to me and say, Leah, marriage is work. Life is hard. That's right. Marriage isn't supposed to be work. It's supposed to be bliss. It's supposed to be so happy. But you guys are arguing with your spouses or angry or upset or hurt all the time. You're upset. You're angry at your kids. None of you are really happy. Not really at that place of contentness and the people that think that they're happy are usually those who are taking advantage of and stealing from other people and so they are, they're living at a, at, a, at a level where they have everything that they need and there's a very small minority group of people and maybe it's some of you that get by with not a lot but you have a lot of love and you're truly happy and if that's you Will you tell your neighbors and your friends how you got there? Because I'm guessing you got there through the love of God. And that's the gospel. Phenomenal show, by the way, Leah. It was really, really good. I want to, again, just harken back to the actual answers. It's fine to pose problems, and Leah just gave a series of answers. It all starts with just acts of obedience. And when I go back to the four R's, first you recognize, mm -hmm. then you repent, mm -hmm. then you remit and you revoke, mm -hmm. and then you can rebuke the devil. Mm -hmm. So what we have done tonight is we have recognized. And then we restore. And then we restore. And well, we have recognized and now we're repenting. Mm -hmm. Then we have to go and literally remit and revoke the authority that we have given the devil to in the, our lives yes. by saying, I need this cell phone. Mm -hmm. I need this car. I need this television. I need these things. I need the vacuum cleaner. I need all of this because if I don't have it, do you guys know how many times I come across people and they say it in jest, but they are straight up serious. Michelle, I don't want to live like they lived back then. I don't want a homestead. That's work. I don't want to work. But guess what? Mm -hmm. Those same exact people will come to me for prayer mm -hmm. because their life is in utter shambles and they are completely void. Their spouse has left them or their spouse is looking at pornography Can or I their give family an example? member is sick or 
Yeah. I remember uh, somebody we were we were posing this, and and a person came back and said, "Well, we can't. What about antibiotics?" Yeah. And they're like, Leah, you're just being so silly because I don't want to wash clothes by hand and I'm glad we have antibiotics. Her husband was found to have child pornography, not just on his computer, but to be creating child pornography. And he is now in prison. So would you rather be without antibiotics, washing clothes by hand and a husband that doesn't have access to to pornography and is sexually abusing kids because uh, we do know that that because of all this technology, there's so many more crimes committed. And that was an example of somebody coming at me saying that's crazy. Well, now your your husband is hopefully your ex husband and in, in jail because he's a child. He's, he became a pedophile through technology. I get it all the time. I get it from men in my life, uh, my own cousins. I'll call them out. They don't watch my show anyway. I don't want to kill an animal. I get it. I hear it all the time. Like, I don't want to live that way, Michelle. I don't like the dirt. I don't want to plant things. I hear it from women. I don't want to do those things, Michelle. I don't. Well, that heart and that attitude is the reason why we're at where we're at. And it's the spirit of Carnegie and Rockefeller. It's the spirit of industrialization that says, I just want to have things and not do any work for them. And it's a, and you put the blinders on to the, to what every, to the and evil so, and around so, you. I, and this is not reaching. So now here in Ohio, we've got this bill that allows for abortion up to birth for children to have gender surgeries and to have their genitals cut off. Meanwhile, we have the people that have the attitude of, but I just want a vacuum cleaner. Michelle, I can't live without a refrigerator. What if you, would you give up what you had so that babies wouldn't be aborted? And I would say probably most people would say no. Exactly. I will find out another way. They're like, there's got to be another way. But there is no other way. So when I say, how do we fix it? It all starts with a heart change. Mm -hmm. That's literally recognize, repent, Remit and revoke the authority that you have given the devil by literally selling your soul to him or a portion of it Mm -hmm. to have the stuff. Mm -hmm. Then you can rebuke the devil. Then we go back and we fix it. Reclaim, rebuild. Restore, rebuild. Reclaim, first you reclaim, then you restore, then you rebuild. There's a lot of R's going on here. Okay, so we can do this, and we are doing it. And I want to give you guys... We are. We, <laughs> I just can't even take you seriously anymore. <laughs> you act like Michelle sometimes. You know what's so funny? You know what's so stinking funny? That most of the time, in real life, I get Leah... I'm talking to Scott Kesterson because there Michelle, are a whole host of jokes that you can have when not, somebody has had a reverse vasectomy. That's and not Leah's the joke that I gave. Saying, Get serious, I'm not get serious, those. get serious. And uh, on the show, you can't be serious for one second. I'm not asking you to be serious. I'm not asking you not to be potty mouth. That wasn't potty mouth. It was not. With all of Scott Kesterson's jokes, we will get. They were not potty mouth. They were valid. They were factual. It was excellent, by the way. My point is we are doing this, and I want you guys to be excited about it. Because the kingdom. <laughs> this you <laughs> have to repent and revoke. <laughs> I can't breathe. 
<laughs> the kingdom uh, of God is advancing. The R's. That is not. The kingdom equipment. of God is advancing. And we are taking back everything that these monsters have stolen from us. And you guys need to know the power that you hold just with one simple heart change. I rebuke you, electricity, in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you, electricity, in the name of Jesus. Send you back to the pit of hell. I, that's it, right you're there. you're sitting right there with J.P. Morgan and General Electric. Amen. Sherry says, you can use what God has given us for anti antibiotics. Patriot Gallery says, actually, the Amish live 10 years longer in the Azerbaijan people that we watch on our country oh. life blog. People do things the old-fashioned way around the world. Look, they look poor, but they live longer and most never get sick. They're happy. Sunday says, I'd love to live like you do. Patriot Gallery says, you are hearing and seeing programming and ignorance. The person is captive to the programmers. James says, thank you, ladies, for what has to be one of your best, if not the best, Revelation Red Pill shows. That's wow, high praise. James. I really enjoyed this so much. Um, guys... I had hoped, that, that was my hope. My hope was that you didn't just hear us lecture at you, but that you heard it and you yeah. saw it through their own voice. Patriot Gallery is telling me to wrap it up. Thank you, Mom. I love you. So, mm -hmm. so Patriot Gallery has a blog that's going to be coming out tonight. Um, so you guys can look for that. She's actually done quite a few recently, but this one that's coming up is called um, Tonight or Tomorrow, Dream Horses and Wagon Liveries. Amish live 10 years longer. So we are going to get Sunday... Sunday has, is, she, she wants a Founder's Bible. Yeah. So she's going to get one. But I also am going to tell you guys, we are giving away six Founder's Bibles between now and Christmas. And have we decided the way in which we are going to facilitate It's going to be on our Friday show live and on our Sunday show live for the next three weeks. So Patriot Gallery, that means that Patriot Gallery is going to be committing to taking down the names of the people in the chat. Mm-hmm who would like to enter in to win. Mm -hmm. So there's no catch here. You just have to show up. So if you, you, and you have to win live. You have to be there live So to enter in your name. Well, actually. Yes, no, that's the way to do it. That makes okay. you all come live. But then how do we get there? They have to email us their address. Yes, you have to enter your email address okay. live Okay. on the show. We've done this before. The emails get sent. Um, so, yes, we're super excited. So we're going to be giving away six Founders Bibles between now and Christmas. So every show. On Fridays and Sundays. On Friday, that's every show till Christmas. Mm -hmm. Okay, no, so for three weeks. For three Six weeks, Bibles. that's awesome. Yeah, it's really fun. So I'm excited about that. So you guys don't want to miss any show, Friday and Sundays, from now until Christmas. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. Um, so like I said on the show, and I'm gonna, I am gonna go ahead and insert this because, especially because of tonight's show. The Johnstown flood. Mm -hmm. is exactly what we're looking at with the fiat dollar. Mm -hmm. I want you guys, if you can at all, buy land, get a grain mill, but if you've got savings, if you've got a 401k, if you've got an IRA, any kind of retirement, call ITM Trading, 1-866-950-7776, 1-866-950-7776, and tell them Resistance Chick sent you. You don't really have to because that's our custom number. Um, this is what... What is about to happen? Yeah. You do not want to be caught. I don't know why that's not showing up. Oh, because I need to redownload it, I think. Oh. Um, you do not want to be caught with everything washing away. Mm -hmm. Okay? Everything that you have that you're holding on to, it's all going to be fine because I've got this. Mm -hmm. 
Gold and silver money. It's in Gold the and silver. Is it is the link in the description? Yeah, it's learn.itmtrading.com forward slash chicks. And the, the link is in the description and it's on resistance chicks. Gold and silver are the only real money. Yeah. Everything else is a house of cards. Everything else is a dam that they have been lowering. And the fiat dollar is collapsing as we speak. The yes. dam has already broken. It has. This is, we're sending the telegraph of evacuate now. Evacuate, Do not evacuate, ignore it. Do evacuate, not ignore evacuate. it. Okay, I know you're, you're very scared. I don't want to da, 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 da. Guys, I said what I said. Well, you can go back to like all of your big guys, your Klaus Schwab's. Um, Everybody, you, you, even not just in the past, now today, every nations are moving into gold and silver. Well, what I meant was like Klaus, Klaus Schwab, he started out with the same guys. So all these investments that we're in, all these retirement accounts that we're in, if they're, you're like, well, how do I get out? Get out of that system. Amen. If you want to do your one step. Yes. Okay. Buy land, store up, get your beans, get your grain mill, get a water source, plant a garden. But if you've got savings and you don't, and it's just sitting there in a retirement account or a savings account, get it out. And ITM trading will show you how to do that. They've Gold been in business and silver. for 27 years. And guys, I'm telling you, if I had that kind of money, if I had savings, I'm telling you, and I'm telling you guys something. And it's a free call. They'll talk you through it. Oh, yeah, sure. Just call. Do all you do is call. Just call. Just call. Give them a call. You don't have to do anything. Just call them. I figure, I, this is, they're going to give you a free strategy call. Yeah. And that's something I don't think we talk about enough. We do, yeah, you're when right. you're you're not just calling to buy gold and silver. Your your yeah. your first call sometimes takes six calls to figure out whether you're going to buy some gold and silver. Okay, but they're going to help you with a strategy. And you know what's so funny is I was actually sent a text message by one of our uh, our 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 people who took the. Um, Sherry says, I have radio heard class. On, on interviews that January is the best time bricks will take off and the dollar will be dead. Mm. So he's my friend, Michael, who did our ham radio class says, share this video as it may help whether or not we enter a time of great economic and social turmoil in the coming years. It is a visit with a woman famous, infamous for her critique of fiat currency, but who has set her house in order with food production and assets, including building a local community. I'm put, she's putting together something called realfoodcommunity.com to help people connect in their own local area. It will take a while until uh, my real food community software is developed, but this lady shares some ideas to help us now. One financial talk show uh, host visits the home of another. Let me t tell me what you think. And this video has gotten so much crazy times ahead with Lynette, Z Lynette Zhang. It's got 80,000 views on it. And I, t I texted him back. It, it is a tour of Lynette's home. Oh, and my I think gosh. What we'll probably do is we'll probably sit here and do a commentary on it. Okay. Okay. And we'll tour with her and her home and all the things that she has and the assets she has set aside. And I, t I texted back. I said, Michael, that is a really great video. And I'm glad you found Lynette because we partnered with her in January. That's awesome. And we have been sending people to Lynette for years in ITM trading because she's the real deal. These other Burke's gold or whatever, that's fine. You know, that's, that's, we're not gold and silver buying people. We are, as she calls it, the, the shield. The wealth shield. The wealth shield, uh, food, shelter, barterability, wealth preservation. The wealth preservation, and I'm going to add the fifth, constitution, reclaiming the constitution. I buy silver because one day and hopefully soon, I want to be able to pay you guys with silver. 
and I want to be paid in silver and you I don't want to pay my taxes on your stupid silver and I want to be able to convert this to whatever I need to buy for the equivalent of what I'm doing for this this thing this speaking is speaking of the heart change okay and and so I want to repent for even saying I buy silver I acquire it oh yeah you cannot buy money you can't buy money we need to rethink of what we're, anytime oh, we're that's doing so an good. exchange. Acquire real money. Go to ITM Trading and acquire real constitutional historical God money. Anytime you've exchanged something for with a fiat dollar, you've not purchased anything. No. You have, a, you have literally given them a note of a, a piece of paper for another I thing. IOU. You can only purchase with gold. This and isn't silver. an IOU. This is not paper an is an IOU. Amen. If you pay somebody with gold and silver, then you truly paid them. Amen. Kelly says, I have enjoyed being enlightened. You always do. Pay praise God. Thank you, Kelly. And also, if you would like to keep yourself useful, go to OBE Organic Body Essentials. Oh, you know what I'm gonna do? And Mom, I know you said wrap it up. I do have one more thing I want to do, and I'm gonna continue to do this every single week until Christmas. Angie and Ryan Howard have a little Facebook page called Howard's Handmade. Mm -hmm. They have 86 followers on this page. She says when they get to 100 followers, there are 14 of you watching right now that mm -hmm. are on Facebook that can go and watch. Go and, go and click like on Howard's Handmade and you leave oh a comment. Oh my gosh, that will put her at 100. Okay, go and... and Howard's Homemade. Howard's She's a homemade. Bard's now, chick. She has a website and they sell. she sells salves, a black drawing salve. She's got these uh, a rosehip salve of grapeseed oil. There are little, these are as little soap um, holder. Sachets. And, well, no, not sachets, soap holder. Disc scrubbers. Her disc scrubbers are better than yours because they're cloth on one side and hard scrubby on the other side. These will be the greatest thing you'll ever use for doing dishes. They have a whole host of things. So if you're going to support anybody, I am asking you to support um, Patriots and to, to support, they, she sells soaps. She has crocheted items that they are selling. This is a family business. This is a Bards FM business. She's got earrings there for sale and the salves. Okay. If you guys have, email me if you guys have a business and we'll try to do a spotlight every show. Yeah, exactly. So go to Howard's, um, what did I say? Handmade or homemade? Howard's Handmade on Facebook. Okay. I need you guys to go and like this page. Okay. And then she's going to do another giveaway and support the Bards, uh, Bards Nation people. Okay? And the Resistance Chicks people. And Resistance Chicks. They're, have... they, they're Resistance Chicks viewers. They, 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 they tune in all the time. And I have, we have some of their stuff they sent me for my birthday. So just, I really want you guys to be very, very um, Conscious about mindful what, of about where presents. you're purchasing your gifts from this year. All right? We love you. God loves you. God bless. Remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory. If it's actually the truth, we will see you on Friday back live on brighteon.tv at 6 p.m. for our headline news. And then, of course, our after show right here on Facebook and on Rumble for the latest. We've got a lot to bring you guys this week. We're very excited. Uh, so be sure to tune in this Friday. And again, of course, on Sundays for our world news program. I don't know what we're going to be doing for um, Kingdom Roundtable Mondays, but we'll try to do something. But next week... It is for sure and scheduled. We will have Pastor Devin East in Revelation Red Pill. So super excited about that. We've got her scheduled and on the book. So don't miss next Wednesday. Pastor Devin East is one you cannot afford to miss out on. We'll see you guys next time. God bless.
inside